We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is, uh, he's on assignment, but Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then we have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different. And this is our commentary track for August 2023, and it's the concluding entry in our superhero summer theme of commentaries. We started off in May with X2, X-Men United for its 20th anniversary. Then we went to The Mask of Zorro in 98 for its 25th anniversary. Then we went to, what did we go to? Then we went to The Dark Knight for its 15th anniversary. And now here we are with Blade for its also 25th anniversary. What a hell of a way to wrap up this exciting commentary series. Actually, there are, there's some neat connections here, but that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about Blade for this month's commentary. Joining me to do such things we have from Wise to Blue and host of the Brandon Peters Show, there are worse things out than vampires tonight, like him. It's Brandon Peters. Mm, yeah, going to get some vampires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also joining us from movies, flicks, and, movies, films, and flicks, and Deep Blue Sea, the podcast. You can slice them, you can dice them, but the Hoffman just keeps coming. It's Mark Hoffmeyer. I got my ice skates on and I'm ready. And joining us from the rap, he has a message for the other box office analysts. It's open season on all suckheads. It's Scott Mendelson. You know who really should have played Blade? Vince Vaughn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so muddy. So that was uh, my crossover movie, Sling Blade. If you didn't catch. But, yeah, we got your taters. Yeah. Mm, got it. yeah. How are, how are you? Bob up? Thornton would have made a great Blade. Whistler. As that mm. character. <laughs> got the juice <laughs> how are you all doing this evening i'm, I'm doing okay freaking blade let's do this, this is i'm good. a little bummed i missed out this i didn't get the sling blade thing i just thought <laughs> the impersonation was dead on <laughs> i was like good job that was good like i want some potatoes right now i want to watch one false move <laughs> i just watched now one I... false move it's very dark uh, that sounds like a simple plan. <laughs> oh, also dark. You know, Billy Pax and Billy Bob are amazing. Just yeah. the, the double bills. Yeah. They're great. But we're not talking about the simple plan this time around, although I'd be happy to. It's a great movie. We're well, Bill Paxton was a vampire in Near Dark. He was a, he yes. Was a, we're going to talk about vampires. We're going to talk about vampires. <laughs> Game uh, over. And what a fitting week. The, it's the week we're recording this of the Voyage of the Last Demeter. We got vampires all over the place over here. But Oh, we, we did Dark Knight right when Oppenheimer came out. Exactly. Too. It's almost like I planned this a little bit. But yeah, we're going to talk about Blade. This is our commentary plan. Brandon, Mark, Scott, and I all have the film currently paused at five seconds in. This is Blade 1. I don't know if I need to specify that, but I'm, I'm just saying. Um, so Blade what, what we're going to do is going to count down from the sound from three and on the sound of go, we're going to press play to start talking over the movie. Uh, so if you plan to watch the movie and listen to us talk about it, uh, make sure to just sync it up five seconds in and press pause until you hear the sound of play. But if you're just listening to listen, you're good to go. You are just ready and you should be prepared to hear all the blade talk we're going to get into. Uh, you guys ready? Yeah. Yep. All right. <clears throat> three, two. One blade. <laughs> okay, so like 1998 me, I'll just go first this time as far as when we saw this movie. I saw this in theaters with my dad. Um this and like this I'm 12 at this time, right? This is yeah, 98. So like I'm somewhat young, but I mean it's blade. It's Wesley Snipes. My dad's like, Yeah, we're gonna go see a vampire action movie, sure. 
and the, the that new line logo came on and it's all red and i thought i was like this is cool i'm watching an r-rated movie about vampires and it's like it's it's red on the logo that's great and then we're gonna get kicking into this you know we get this little prologue or whatever but kicking into this rave scene I thought this was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> like, I mean, you are not alone. And not it's alone. Like, yeah. And it's 25 years ago, and we've seen all these Marvel movies. We've seen all these Batman movies. We've seen all these Spider-Man movies. This is still like the coolest fucking thing you can see in a movie. <laughs> like, like whatever Mahershala Ali has planned for this next Blade movie, I don't know what he what he it's thinks is going to so accomplish. Fucked. I I, I I wish him the best. He has two Oscars. I'm sure he can pull something off. But I have a hard trouble thinking that Kevin Feige's produced Marvel movies is going to somehow equal the insanity that's this opening rave action sequence that's better than most comic book movies as far as coloring, score, action. Mm-hmm. Like it's the world best. building. Uh, bit. Like it does everything yeah. you need. Like what I love is that this isn't even like an. It's like an origin movie as far as yeah, it's the first one. And like Blade is such a simple like idea as far as he's a daywalker, he has all their powers, another weakness is done. Like that's it. That's the whole thing. Like and he fights vampires. It's so like watching this, I was so like like enamored with the idea of this is this is cool. Like uh, we'll talk more about like where Blade comes from or whatnot. But I want to hear from you guys, uh, Brandon. Where did you where did you first see Blade? All right, so um, I remember it perfect. Like this is a movie I remember uh, perfectly. Uh, it was high school. A uh, friend and I uh, made movies. We had sh- we made we had just like finished up something we'd shot and edited, and we're like, oh yeah, that Blade movie comes out. So we were gonna go tomorrow on Sunday. We're like, let's just go tonight. And we caught a like eleven o'clock late night screening of it, and we went. It was packed, and we were just like, all right, cool. This is new Wesley Snipes Blade, Blade. and we left like cloud nine like oh my gosh what was that was awesome the opening scene was something we talked about but like this movie just blasted off like i I was excited for it i was like okay this is gonna be cool but i loved it i was just like i came out like holy crap that was amazing i didn't i didn't see this coming and yeah so yeah hype very big fan of blade one that, that you said this uh already like just the use of color is so just it's very comic book like, it's, and then the bodies go by already like so you're like what's that like the meatpacking plant you see some random bodies going by like the world building's already growing i well, love they, this scene and so we got much Tra- tracy lords in here who they were like desperately trying to launch in hollywood she had she had had been controversial because she was a porn star that ended up oh she was underage so none of her if you have ever seen her porn you're watching something illegal because she was under the age to be able now to do you it. tell me yeah yeah uh, those, di- those tapes in the background of scott's screen uh <laughs> if you're watching no but yeah she was and using porn stars in movies were kind of taboo too because there were backing wouldn't be there there was some sort of it, it, was really, it was really weird but they were really trying to launch tracy lords into a career and this is like the <laughs> biggest i think this is the biggest thing that she got that the, I can think of. Uh, the dude she's with is in the shield he's she's he's one of the strike oh, team yeah. members yeah he's one of vic Mackey's strike team members even like the dj is cool if it's like yeah. double double flashlight head cam that he's wearing like everything like raves mm-hmm. have never looked cooler on film than in blade right now you're and about always... to see uh 425 gallons of animal blood come out of the sprinklers i did the math good oh i'm God. glad you did that math thanks it, the, yep. it was at the, the, the highest until evil dead remake came out I well, hope you checked that shit twice. Yeah, no, I did. So there's there's two separate sprinkler systems. I paused it, found out that which ones they shot out of. I found the average amount of 
like liquid that came out of each one counted them did the math it's like 75 seconds so 425 gallons of animal blood i'm thinking it's animal blood because they're not drinking it and they're in a meatpacking plant and i don't think they want to waste human blood they kept four four pigs on set in case they ran out yeah yeah it was hell for the special effects crew well i mean (laughs) vampires are porous so i assume like they're not maybe not drinking it to enjoy it but they're probably still gaining a level of sustenance from the fact of being covered in it (laughs) mark why did you first see this movie uh, yeah, I went to the theater. Day, I, it was a day daytime screening. Went by myself. Uh, just turned sixteen in July. Drove there in my Dodge four cylinder Dodge Shadow. I remember parking and just being blown away to, for this movie. Like the rave scene, just the the ice skating uphill, the the martial arts, just Wesley Snipes being awesome. Just even Steven Dorff. I was like, this dude's cool. And just I don't know. And also, we just learned, and as we're watching that, I guess vampires can have sex in this world too. So that like, they're undead. That raises some interesting questions. But yeah, it's um no, it's same same thing that Brandon said. This movie has it's one of my favorite superhero movies, and it's probably one of my favorite theatrical experiences too. Just it was just it just happened right. And it's such a good movie. What a cool way to reveal all. Like it's like this is like it's hard to think like Blade is a horror movie, but it does have like its moments yeah. as far as building suspense, and it's like. It this guy doesn't you, know what yeah well it puts you in it, it consistently puts you in the perspective of somebody witnessing something like sure. this, we're through this guy and then and the way we get introduced to blade and a lot of things like it's constantly putting you there like through a character which is something a lot of superhero movies don't do anymore like bat like batman 89 we go through vicky vale um you know even hellboy which del toro was against that first one there's the a character, character yeah they yeah. add the human character there's that element of an audience uh, what do you call it? Surrogate. 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 That can I mean, it's it's dumb, but it's a concept that can work, and if you can utilize it well, it, it it's effective. Well, I, I think it's 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 testament to one of the issues that are facing superhero movies right now, and superhero TV as well, where you get to a point in a franchise where they only just hang out with each other. Yeah. Um, and the classic example is Heroes. You know, the first season, whatever its its flaws. It was partially interesting, but you had because you had these characters that were unique and had powers and whatever that were constantly interacting with the normal world, and there was an obvious push pull. But by season two, they were only interacting with each other, and so it was very boring. Well, and that's the thing with the Mart when you start shared universing, you got too many superhero people to keep track of in movies that have and, to show up you know, stuff. the cw superhero shows were horrible about this because in almost all of them by the end every fucking character had a costume real quick yeah. <laughs> this this opening hero shout of blade who oh, doesn't have a incredible. speck of blood on him oh yeah um, this is wonderful like it, it there's snipes has so much presence so much movie star charisma on him where there's just nothing you need to know beyond this guy is the baddest mofo in the room. <laughs> like, there's right. nothing is going to stop this man. You're about to see him work, and he's and not going to break a sweat. It's smart to have that cause... dude, right? The guy's like the prey. He's scared for his life of all these vampires, and then he comes across one guy, and all the vampires are afraid of him. Like, it's right. Yeah, no, like, that's you, a curl reversal. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to say any dialogue. You don't have to do anything. Like, it's good. It's just good storytelling. I love it. Well, and I, it. You know, before right up to the point where Blade, we see Blade, they've already done more than I think a Marvel movie with Blade here is going to be able to do or pull off as well. Like this movie's already, I am assuming, better than what we're going to get from what they're doing. Yeah, and we the, are um, 
the, the look of, like this is 1998 it's 25 years later so obviously we have cg effects for these vampires shattering Mm-hmm. Which and you know like Buffy the Vampire's Lady is about to it's like started or about to it started right it's like maybe first season uh, yeah we're, we're here yeah yeah that's where we're at and we're, so we're at an age where because like you know you go back to Hammers or even more recent vampire movies you don't really get these stylistic shatterings of vampires they just like mm-hmm. either just die or turn to dust or something this is like fully CG animated vampire what helps mm-hmm. is that it is a comic movie and it looks yeah. comic booky like it's not a matter yeah. of does how cool how how like great are the visual effects at this time it's like you don't really need to do much to like make that work it's like yeah they're vampires it's fantasy like it just no, it i mean it's obvious cg but like everything around it's so strong and i accept that okay yeah he's burned it up that's fine it just um, the, the I mean, color there's a huge difference between a scene that basically is set in a real world with practical sets and practical people and practical stunts that has certain CGI elements versus something stereotypically speaking, like the last Ant-Man where it's like nothing on screen is real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you're James Cameron, you can get away with that. Or like this, this is like Punisher war zone among a few others, I think fall in a very specific category as far as how, you know, how well you could make prime use of primary colors and, have a very stylistic take on something while still having, you know, human characters in a somewhat plausible world that's heightened, right. obviously. <laughs> Donald Logue in this movie was originally a very small part and he was just too funny. So they expanded him. They gave him a lot more to do. Became more of the a, a bigger role just because he was able to ad-lib and have fun on the set. He was really memorable too. I remember walking out of the theater and just, whenever I would see Donald Logue, I'm like, the dude from Blade. Like he became yeah. that guy because yeah. I because I watched Grounded for Life for yeah, like Grounded the longest time, but I always think of him as like, yeah, he's from Blade. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he got that not too long after that, and it's leading a sitcom that ran for a good five, yeah, yeah. five years. Yeah, that was a funny show. I I, really, I enjoyed that. that I of that the one. like, yeah, of the like um, late nineties, early two thousands. You know, white dad, three kids, mom shows <laughs> like that. I but like that one. It paired really well. They had like Titus going around the same. Titus time, was right? like, yeah. yeah, that was a funny show too. Because they're like blue collar worker type yeah. shows. Like, it, it, there was something there that made it feel more relatable compared to mansions in San Francisco. Um, <laughs> I do love that vampire henchmen have matching jackets and ski caps. That's yeah. one thing I definitely love. Like, mm-hmm. there, it's a, it's like Batman '89. You get a jacket, you get a patch, and a hat. Even the colors here, like uh, colors are so cool in this movie. Like the that one scene with the, like a burning corpse of the figure. There's a guy covered in blood in the center. Yellow firefighters are walking in. Like there's just cool stuff here. Stephen Norrington, right? I mean, the guy Stephen came Norrington. from visual background. Background, visual so, background yeah. yeah, it's like he he definitely dig dug the look. And I heard he was super meticulous. Like everything I read on this movie, because I mean that's you need to be meticulous and yeah, in the in the special effects like, like animatronics background, you could definitely see it came into play here. Norrington uh, doesn't do a lot after this. Mm-hmm. Like, it, no. like he he was involved in a lot of stuff. Uh, that's for he was he was attached to Ghost Rider. He was attached to Clash of the Titans. He was attached to a Crow uh, re-sequel, as all of us were, obviously. Yeah. Uh, he was attached to Shang Chi at one point. My version got so close to cameras. <laughs> at a, at a, an earlier version Cooper, of Shang Chi, right? not an MCU Shang Chi. He was attached to Akira, like all of us were. Uh, I read with Bradley Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> i had jason he, momoa he does he he does one more movie or he does a couple movies after this but the notable what he does after this, of course is league of extraordinary gentlemen which does scott, well, correct, scott, scott incorrectly says is fun um, <laughs> Wait, what? what did i say you incorrectly say it's fun um but it, it's a bad uh movie. the one time i saw it i was like okay this is terrible but i'm not bored okay <laughs> I, it uh, does have that one line that i like to stupidly quote it is the sound of treachery 
What I, was uh, you saying? Stuart Townsend's like the next Tom Cruise? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. I, I can't stand, like, it, even like trying to separate it from how good the Alan Moore comics are, I just, I can't stand that movie. It's, it's, it's everything that's, it's every cliche about like 2000 superhero movies just combined into one. It thing. made Sean Connery hang it up. Yeah, so it made, yeah, it made Sean Connery quit <laughs> acting. Yeah. It's like, you know what? I'm done. That's, that was his reaction to that movie. Same with Welcome to Mooseport and Gene Hack. We're like, you know what? <laughs> It's time to, time to hang up the old coat here. <laughs> I think we've I think we've said all we had to say on screen. They are they are they, yeah. Those were the uh, for Chris the uh, Whistler in Blade Trinity. That was like yep. You know what? We're gone. This is it. <laughs> this is um one of the few jump scares in this entire trilogy, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Yes, it's like this. Like I think like maybe it's one or two other moments in this movie. And then like I think one moment in Blade Two, but like they're really like they're they, you know they're certainly. Your vampire movies are bloody and everything, but it's it's hard it's hard for me to say I felt like scared by although the fucking Reapers are pretty disgusting. Yeah, they too, are. But, <laughs> they are. but yeah, when he pops up right here, it's a pretty big jolt, I think, because you get such a come down from the giant rave that you have uh Embache Wright talking with this guy who's you know dead. Uh Embache Wright coming into this movie, uh studios naturally wanted a white actress, Wesley Snipes being a producer, pushed for a black actress. Um, Wesley Snipes being a producer on these movies Wesley Snipes being a producer on these movies is like I think one of the best things about the Blade series even Mm -hmm. regardless of what happened with Trinity just because I think it 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 just gives it that it it gives it seems like there's a little more control and like what kinds of things we can put into a film like this based on just him like being so involved in it like the 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 martial arts and like the fighting style, like yeah. he pushed hard yeah. for that. This is my favorite movie at all. Where he oh, drops man. everything, he drops the entire cadence of Blade just to be like, "What the fuck, are you out of your mind?" Like it's the best. <laughs> 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 These jumps, this this is so crazy because we all this movie's such a trailblazer because we we talk about it always being like, "Well, the Marvel wouldn't be there without Blade for you know." you know, X-Men or Spider-Man get the credit, but it's Blade. But think about this. This is before the Matrix. This is laying groundwork. Yeah. For, uh, yeah. granted, granted, they're shooting the Matrix right now, and Dark City comes out the same year. But there's stuff in here stylistically. There's even, like, technical craft stuff with, like, the jumps and things that, like, is, like, laying a base for making people accept the Matrix the next year. You know, like, you saw Blade, so you're in this, like, zone, and now here's a really pushing the technical limits of cinema version of blade the next year with with the matrix no you're absolutely right this is a film that has a lot of visual content and or imagery tropes that was in fair game appropriated and then years later and those films tended to get credit for being trailblazers mm-hmm. that'd be fair we've been having the no no Blade was the trendsetter, not X-Men or Spider-Man conversation for 10, 15 years. I, I, you know, I honestly, I don't think that's, that's, I think most people who are aware know that this film is the one that sort of started it all. I mean, I would argue, and I wrote this 10 years ago in my first year at Forbes, is that this was sort of, this was sort of the finale of the Batman era of comic book superhero movies. Uh, even that, well, no, this was sort of the, the early premiere of the next era. Well, that's, what we about, tense, that's what we talked star-driven. about. Star-driven. No, go ahead. That's what we talked about with, with Zorro, where I asked you specifically. Yeah, Zorro, Zorro, Zorro was, was the finale of the Zorro old is the one. finale of the old version as far as yeah. having your shadows and your phantoms or what have you yes. that, are, that are coming in off of Batman 89. And then, yeah, between 
Batman and Robin diverting back to the kind of very campy style and also being, you know, you know, a failure, essentially. Not great. Uh, And then having something like this, which has, you know, an edge to it. It has modern sensibilities. It's moving in a completely different direction that obviously, I mean, it's forward in time as opposed to going backwards in time or to the complete fantastical. Right. And like in terms of Brandon, what oh. you're talking about as far as like the kind of the style and everything here, I think it's a natural evolution as far as what we've been seeing throughout the 90s, both as far as things like Johnny Mnemonic and other like tech noir sci-fi mm. stuff. As, as extends. Existent. No, yeah, you're, uh, well, that's next year. But I mean, like 13th the kind of floor. Yeah. I want like Dolph that, Lundgren's preacher character in this movie now. That kind Thanks, of Aaron. that kind of stuff combined with like what we got in the Batman movies, like it kind of pushed forward into this, into yeah. something that's that again has that modern sensibility, but still has these these versions of the like directorial flair, very stylish action sequences, use of slow mo that's kind of ramping right. up more and more. Like it's it makes a lot of sense how we got to this point, even on yeah. a film like this that has a budget compared to you know coming next it's funny you you mentioned snipes having to push for a black leading lady because i was 18 and even then i started like well this is nice this is a mainstream studio movie that at least in my view wasn't pushed as a quote-unquote black urban film that had Uh both protagonists being black and put that was arguably (laughs) yeah yeah, that's the other thing is you know in retrospect is like is it good that they were platonic or is that was that that sort of you know you know was that a compromise um i mean if it, well I mean, well if it was <laughs> it, it's it's tough to say if they had a white actress if they were if they they'd be like no we can't do that at all so in uh, writing yeah. it and then wanting a white actress they probably just left the script go and therefore that's why it's like that Pro- yeah that's that's quite possibly a, that's not a wrong <laughs> yeah. feeling i do think though that you know that keeps the fat off of this movie as far as then you have another yes you know 20 minutes or you're deleting stuff from the rest of this movie where this movie despite being it's almost two hours it doesn't spend a lot of time not involving itself in something that feels necessary for this movie. There's not no, a lot of that impulsive. Here. And there, I mean, and there, I mean, there's famously there's like a hundred, there's like a hundred and forty minute cut that was a disastrous test screening for a variety of reasons. It was too long, pacing wasn't there, the ending, which we'll get to later on, wasn't working at all. Uh, so it's you know the 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 work done to get this the way in the shape that it is benefited <laughs> i mean it's the, well, the key emotional aspect of the story are bladed whistler and bladed reckoning with you know what happened if his mother essentially like the idea of having a romantic interest in here also is like it's a lot that's a lot to deal with you know, right. sometimes the studio system works <laughs> i i like that I, I this is my preferred structure of a superhero movie with what blade does like the batman 89 model where we are already here we're all good and some character later on is going to fill you in a little bit of the background rather than start like a spider-man or a superman where you know and we don't have to have this like huge like you know gravitas moment of starting this movie out to that and then catching us up and we finally get to wesley snipes later like we're in the middle of stuff we're engaged on plot we start learning rules about vampires and this world of them and that's far more interesting than where blade come from you know and there, like and there's certainly standout entries obviously or else we wouldn't get some of the movies that we right have. you know but, some but do it well but, but others are like come on but it's not surprising that it, you know whereas sequels used to be like oh the sequels are never as good as the original in modern times they're specifically within this genre genres similar to it a lot of the sequels do tend to measure up or be better looking at yeah. things like Dark Knight. Which yeah, for about. exactly Brian that Rock. reason. They get the origin story stuff out of the way and they can just go off to the races. They can right. do something interesting with um, the character that doesn't revolve around and, where And I think from. it's worth pointing out that, you know, to the extent that people were, filmmakers were using Richard Donner's Superman as sort of the origin story template. He's Superman by the end of the first act. 
Yeah. I mean, literally, the end of the first act is him flying out of the Fortress of Solitude in the Superman garb. Mm-hmm. Um, so this whole, you know, he becomes the hero we know and love in the last five minutes bullshit that we sometimes have to put up with. I mean, it's it's not even a correct interpretation of the template that you're using. I also like that this world introduced the what the kind of yuppie vamp the business vampire in this because growing up like interview with the vampire fright night it's usually um, old European money like yeah Dracula I love Bram Stoker's I watched that way too young I think I was 10 when I saw that but I was used to sort of Gary Oldman vampires and now you got like Gen X buying land (laughs) 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 you have like Gen X Stephen Dorff running around here raving and like you know, they're just partying and they're kind of cool. They're like the, like, I don't know. I, I've always like called this, them this set of people is essentially the Gary Oldman set. They're being ushered yeah. out by people like Steven Dorff. Like that's, that's what's yeah. going on. And, I, I, know, in the this is of, why I support term limits. In the, <laughs> in the, <laughs> the in film the, isn't obnoxious about it, but this is very much about, you know, what if, you know, a vampire action movie that had, you know, of the moment characters and of the moment archetypes and of the moment sensibilities. And it's very much, you know, 90s, late 90s in that sense, even the opening rave scene. And that's part of what made it an of the moment picture. And that's something that I think, you know, in the 90s, especially New Line was very much had its finger on the pulse of youth culture in a way that, you know, his rivals really did not. And this is just one prime example of that. In the realm of like evil, shady meet like uh groups of men like this this is one of my favorite ones i, I really like this the design right. of all this i think udo kier goes a long way for something like this mm-hmm. an actor who you'd assume is a vampire if you didn't see him before um until you watch swan song it's swan song great <laughs> yeah he's great I love it. he's great yeah um and uh what's it what's it um uh back around uh but this oh. this this the the juxtaposition between these two watching Udo Kier you know old school versus new school Stephen Dorff I think really works in this it I like the drama going on with all yeah. of this before Stephen you even Dorf, get to like this yeah. is like his movie too like he really get and they do a bad guy in a sense where you understand his motivations you understand where he comes from but they don't do it through a but I want peace in a way with you know like you know <laughs> he's evil mm-hmm. but they construct it within the evil confines of between the groups and stuff where you can understand his motivations, why he's doing what he does. And so from his point of view, his stuff yeah. makes sense. He's like, yeah. we're the top of the food chain. Why are we, what are we trying to hide about it? Like why? And it, it's just where I understand him. They're also not trying to make me like relate to him or have some sympathy to him at the same time. Like, you know, they're able to pull that off where I'm like, I get it. I understand the mo- Yeah. I, I would get, I would, if you know, if I was in his shoes, I could see that too, but it's not like in a, in a way where it's trying so hard to be like, yeah, but he, he has some good things, but he also. Well, I, I think part of it's a difference, you know, gen, you know, simplistically speaking, the old guard wants to rule the world, and this new young upstart kind of wants to destroy the world. He's like, and let's if you do already it now. rule the world, then well, I don't want that. There was, you know, the second season of Buffy. I remember, you know, when you know when uh, Spike shows up to help Buffy stop Angel. The thing was like, we all talk about destroying the world, but we don't actually want to do it. We like living here. Something I like in this first Blade movie that we don't really get in the next ones is that Blade is connected in New York. Like he has his ways of staying in the shadows. He has people he meets with or whatnot, people that supply him with stuff. Like it's it's cool little moments that we get to see that don't like overextend their welcome. Well. I, I know the okay, so I finally kind of realized watching them back to back, um, mm-hmm. Blade One and Blade Two, um, why I 
more of why I like the first one better because I know the second one's mainly that's like the preferred one from people, right? Like, for me, it is. I so it's it's splitting hairs a little bit for me. But this I mean, one, this one, like feels a bit more open with the world and like there's daytime there's nighttime they go outside places and the, the the second one and like the third one to a lot of degrees feel relegated to these underground places a lot and stuff like and with the specific characters i know the second one does go to a club but it feels like it's all sewers and caverns and uh those kind of settings with it and this one it goes into the city um different kinds of businesses places like it feels like there's a lot more environment stuff going on and a variety of that which is kind of appealing to me uh with the first blade as the I, second one's a lot of can, underground stuff yeah i can understand sense. that yeah. I, I the second I, one's a great the second one's awesome i, I love but, the second one i can i can see partially yeah. what i like preference aside like preference is preference if you like it you like yeah. it but like yeah. I, I feel like something that del toro was talking about in one of his commentaries is People assume that Blade Two had a much bigger budget because it's a sequel than it did. No, it, no, it, that back yeah, then, they just went no, to Budapest. You know, it, it, yeah. it, it did not have a bigger budget. It had a no. very tight budget. Yet it introduced more stars. It, it had to be bigger without having more money to work with. So right. it's like I get why. Yeah, there's not as many locations. Like it's it's like working so hard to do what it can with the little the limited means that it has to begin mm -hmm. with. Yeah, yeah. I remember that in the commentary. He's like, "Yeah, we got extras for like eighteen dollars a day yeah. in Budapest when they shot Blade Two. Like that was like one of the big reasons why they went over there to shoot. And the plot is more narrow. It's just you know we got to yeah. stop this thing. And I, well, something I, without getting too far into Blade Two because we got talked about this movie. But like what I like about villain wise, because I like I think Stephen Dorff's great in this movie. What I like is the they make a hard shift in the next film as far as what the motivation is. Where this movie is very much about this guy who wants to essentially take over the world. That one's a much more personal story about a guy who feels he's been wronged and wants revenge mm -hmm. on vampires. And you del toro being the person he is makes you very empathetic towards uh luke goss's character struggle and i think it's very effective for that reason in the same way that i think steven dorse very effective this movie for his reasons yeah uh, and i like it doesn't just second, repeat itself is what i'm saying the second one could have the, have the dumbest where they bring um something they do successful here and they don't do as much as the kingsman movies they they bring back christopherson in the second one but it like works like gangbusters for that plot like it makes sense for that plot and it doesn't because well, they like... don't spend the entire film trying to justify it and reset the status quo. Yeah, they do it right it, away, and, they and get that's it what over kills it. Kingsman. I mean, I was pissed that he came back anyway on moral principle, but if you recall the sequel, the end of the first act, he's introduced as still being alive, and the rest of the fucking movie is him sort of getting back into the fold. Yeah, and tossing away a really cool female character, Lanonchalotly. <laughs> Country instead. road. In, in, interestingly, this movie as we talked about, like it doesn't utilize a romantic interest. The second movie does have that to an extent. It's more like mm -hmm. forbidden love type of thing without, mm -hmm. without going over, which I think is part of why I like it too. It doesn't go overboard with it. Just kind of has as far as like, here's a what if while still centering on the fact that blade and whistler is a key relationship in this series. <laughs> the third one does not do that, nor does it make up for it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe like here's his daughter out of wedlock, which she says a totally natural thing for people to say, Oh yeah, I was born out of wedlock. Uh, but the third one, like, it could have at least made bastard. it could have made that better. It's like, okay, well, if you're gonna kill off Whistler, at least like make that relationship between him and Jessica Beale mean something. It doesn't at all. It's mm -hmm. a failure in that regard. Like it has nothing to say. And maybe the worst Dracula of all time. Oh god. Uh, <laughs> what about what about Jerry Butler from Dracula two thousand? No, he's better than uh, Dominic Purcell. Is not His a... hair is pretty good. And they don't call him Drake. Yeah. 
And I like that also too. Like I'm used to like vampire movies. They're just kind of they just they're tired of being vampires or like just the weight of the world. It's just Blade has a mission here. Like he's not miserable. I dig that. It's probably why I like the Last Witch Hunter so much. It probably borrows heavily from Blade, and I just like Blade. So then I, I like the Last another Witch Dominic Santa classic. Um, yeah. The, <laughs> the um, <laughs> yeah, no, there is a. I, that's that's snipes right that's him like being like yeah i could smile in a scene because i'm having fun like there's yeah. a lot of little bits like that throughout this scene there's a whole series honestly there's little points where he's able to just st- like there's a point in blade two where he like motorcycles it over like he jumps on a motorcycle to de- de- decapitates the vote the vampire yeah. riding the motorcycle speeds up to his charger stops the charger right before hitting it and then like gives a kiss <laughs> face to the charger like it's the best because like, he's played he can do that it, it's a wonderful like, committed like it, he does that thing where i talk about like some people are experts where he doesn't he goes all the way as much as he can to hitting camp and doesn't and he doesn't go super serious either. Like it's this fine line that just is brilliant that the way it works. Like which he, is what I think was so successful about the black exploitation era, which is obviously an inspiration mm-hmm. as far as Snipes' motivation for being a part of this. It's yeah, it's like I get to be like a kung fu guy and like be shaft like in the same role. Yeah. Like and that's those movies. Yes, some of them are camper than others, but I think the appeal of people like Ryan O'Neill or Richard Roundtree or Pam Greer, like Fred Williamson, Fred Williamson yeah. yeah, is that they do they know those limits. They know what it is that makes mm-hmm. them cool. They know what it is that can make the ridiculous work because hey, we're dressed to the nines and we got funky music in the background and we can say lines of dialogue of authority without tripping it over into cult to complete campiness. Well, there's somewhere around filmmaker like looking cool became uncool because you know, you used to like be like Sure. Like McQueen and stuff. They would, you know, pick up on that. And even through the 90s with the action stars would do things to, you know, they'd film things a certain way. They'd make sure that everybody looked cool. And then everybody became afraid of looking cool or something like that. Or they had to make it. If they were looking cool. They had to make a wisecrack about it just to break attention. Because well, the stars became go. more human. Like Scott, you know, yeah. as you talk about this all the time, there's no movie, there's no movie stars in the way you have like Arnold's and Stallone's. You have, yeah, you have the normal mat, guys, the matinee idols. Yeah, you have, you have, you have your cages and your Matt Damons where they they're vulnerable. So it's fun to see and, them mess know, up or whatnot. And then the natural not to be a broken record, but that's one reason I enjoy Mission Impossible too as much as I do. Because even then, that film stood out as being an old school, splashy, romantic Hollywood action movie where everybody was just really fucking cool. <laughs> and they especially the Australian gritty. guy who we all know and remember every single time I mentioned him. <laughs> no, no reason to bring up his actual name. Who cares? We all know what we're talking about. That not Ving Re- Ving Rames guy. Yeah, him. I do yes. love the John Woo he- helicopter Dugan. Yeah. Helicopter when when, when Dugan exactly. starts crying after he learns about the mask, like <laughs> Tandaway Newton, like he just starts crying. Like yeah. I, I love how Wouldn't John Woo that is. Like I, yeah, absolutely. But no, I love the me- the, the the melodramatic moments. Like I dig <laughs> that John Woo. Tom Cruise let John Woo go full John Woo, mm-hmm. and like he was. He was totally happy with it. I that's I do love that about Mission Impossible too. I am um, happy. I always want to know what this song is that he's listening to in this room, this archive room, and I never find it out. And I always forget. Slow ride. It's it's stabbing westward. That's what he's listening to. <laughs> Wait, no filter, filter. Um, oh yeah. Oh, hey man. <laughs> I Billy's just like I like whatever this beat is that he's listening oh, to. I, no, I never remember to look it up afterwards. He's down low right now. It's take a picture. It's That's dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did it a year before Little Nicky put it on the soundtrack. Uh... <laughs> That's a good slap face from yeah. Udo Kier right there, where he just slaps him and he he holds it. He's like, 
like a petulant child, he holds that face. So, like a, a few times here, we're gonna we're gonna talk about probably like, oh, you know, good luck MCU, da da da. Like, it's not that I don't think Blade can be done again by different people and be successful. It's just that doesn't seem the regime from what we've seen thirty some plus films and television <laughs> shows to pull it off. But I think Blade could work for them in a sense if they utilize the character like they have a Black Widow in the past or a Mark Ruffalo Hulk where. I don't a, think them in. doing, yeah, them doing a straight on Blade movie with the way they do things is like, okay, but we'll see. Maybe we'll be like, holy crap, they pulled off Blade, but I don't think so. I think the issue is, A, from what I gather, the project only exists because Marcel Ali wanted, wanted to do it, and yeah. I don't begrudge. That being said, the project is unusual and that is it is at a disadvantage in that the character in the eyes of most people has not only been done as a as a franchise before, but it's been defined by a specific actor yeah. playing that character. In that yeah, most people sticky fingers, yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it's <laughs> to most people, especially you know, to most people, Wesley Snipes is blade to the same extent that you know Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. Well, part of that comes from the obvious. Those characters did not basically exist yeah. before they played them blade yeah. yes blade was introduced in the 70s as a white character but for most people uh, this a, was in just a, in a in a comic called the tomb of dracula <laughs> but uh <laughs> it evolved over time they the, the way i knew blade was because of the spider-man cartoon uh which, which introduced the character of whistler yeah whistler did not exist before the spider-man cartoon came out uh but even then it's like yeah there's no you know there's not 40 years of comic history like there is batman and spider-man superman right. etc blade for all intents and purposes like you just said Wesley Snipes is the man who played Blade, 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 and that's who you measure it up to. It'd be like, I don't know, casting Alden Ehrenreich as Blade and seeing how that goes. It's just like, yeah, what, what plan do you have to do that's going to be new with Blade, a character so specifically defined by this actor? Now, Mahershala Ali, you have a brand. Now, Mahershala Ali, you walk into his house, he's going to show you two Oscars, and he's going to say, I could probably do this. He's probably not wrong. He could probably look cool being Blade, do some martial arts or what have you. But I don't know what that movie's going to be that's going to make me be oh, that excited. At the they, same oh, the guy, also, from, the guy from Green Book. Yeah. <laughs> and some of the danger is that, and this is even truer now than it was you know, when I first started whining about this, which is that the notion of, oh, it's another Blade movie, but hey, it's in the MCU this time. Is it nearly as much of a draw as it was five, six years ago? Sure. And you've got another Blade movie that mostly exists just for the hell of it, that is by default probably going to be a PG-13 blood light. And, you know, it's not going to be as aggressively political in subtle and not so subtle ways. It's not going to be as sexual. It's not going to be as graphic and violent. It's not going to be as forbidden fruit as this and these first two films were. Um, and that's a problem that Marvel's been struggling with the last few years is that, you know, it went from the cool franchise to sort of like the parent-approved brand, if that makes sense. You know, it's, it's become sort of... <laughs> yeah, well, yes and yes. But, I mean, it's, 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 it's been sort of become almost the wholesome good-for-you franchise. And this isn't necessarily their fault. Part of this is the way the discourse works. But, you know, and I, I don't see what a new Blade movie a PG-13 Blade movie is going to bring to the table that this one already didn't. 
And if that sounds hyperbolic, I was the guy writing eight years ago that the Flash was fucked because the first season of the TV show did everything you want in a Flash movie. And I was right. <laughs> Plus, this, the uh, the modern era of superhero vampires is already pretty defined by Jared Leto. So, I mean, what are we going to really do? Exactly. Right? <laughs> this this familiar introduction seems great. Because, yeah. I mean, they build up with the two vampires in the, the elevator. And they're like, what the hell is this cop doing? That elevator seems pretty cool, by the way. I like that it's, yeah. there's a casualness to the nature of, yeah, vampires just around sometimes. Like that's they they're not always just mean. Mm-hmm. It's it's neat. Here we go. Uh, I love this. I let you yeah. use me as bait. Get over it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the notice. I mean, you know, you're talking about like filmmaker, what have you? But like you know, the scenes of just the two of them in the apartment before Blade shows up, all shot. You know, cameras mid level. You know, easy close whatever. Right. Blade walks in the room, cameras are low angle. <laughs> you know, the guy, the man just walked in. <laughs> like yeah. He he is going to uh, lay down the law here with this familiar. I love how she's like, "Can you stop like <laughs> breaking my stop stuff? Stop ruining like, my house, please." <laughs> yeah, just necessary. Like you, we you, you got him. You two get, yeah. like, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> Early when, property destruction in comic book films. When I met you, I knew there were a few people who could probably take you in a fight. This guy's clearly not one of them. <laughs> oh, speaking of get over it, there's that scene in Blade Trinity where the little girl dies and, and uh, Jessica Biel's upset. And he's like, use it. <laughs> use it. Oh I, you know, watching Trinity again, a film that I had not watched since 2004 when I saw it in theaters, Snipes is all in. Like, he's not the problem in that movie. I guarantee you. Like, he's not the one that was the issue here, as far as his his work as Blade goes. Christopher Nolan saved Goyer's ass. Oh God, he really did. But yeah, you're not wrong. He's <laughs> the fact that Goyer is a default comic book superhero movie writer really uh worked in his favor for for him after Blade Trinity should have had him executed at the stake. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Goyer this time he's coming off of like he wrote like a, a Van Damme movie he uh, wrote Pup, the Puppet Masters with Donald Sutherland. Yep. I he mean wrote, his name was Dark City, didn't he? He well, I'm gonna get to that. I, I'm gonna get yeah. that. He wrote he wrote Crow City of Crow City of Angels, um, <laughs> and then he had written Blade and Alex Proyas who directed the Crow the first one. He saw the Blade screenplay and brought him and Lem Dobbs in to work on the screenplay for Dark City. He was impressed with the Blade screenplay and that got him into Dark City. So like back then, but I mean back then you didn't have many people who knew comic books and exactly. movies. Yeah. So Goyer was on everything, and then Kiva yeah. Goldsman was on every because those were like the two guys that might know something about doing comics and movies. Yeah. Um. And you know we, we you know bag on him now and then for whatever, but this is a very solid, solid nuts and bolts screenplay. When Goyer mm-hmm. is on it, he's on it. Yeah. Um, but he, he certainly has a way of dialogue <laughs> that is very noticeable when it's a uh, yeah. goyer line uh, but he uh he, he knows his structures he knows the things that kind of work for these things mm-hmm. and ideally thought, he has better filmmakers to work with that help shape him i thought it was interesting that he wanted what the frost character to be like a breast brett easton ellis character from like one of his novels hmm. it was like a weird touch for that but i kind of mm-hmm. dig that that he did that for frost like the so comic just... version is like an old german man so like mm-hmm. dorf is a very big a uh, different direction uh, to go with it. Uh, as far as that goes, by the way, let's talk about some casting choices. Uh, Jet Li chose Lethal Weapon 4 <laughs> over this movie. Uh, so he's not Deacon Frost. He gets he got to be beaten by oh, they made him Deacon. elderly oh, Danny Glover and Mel Gibson. <laughs> That's uh, to be fair. They two-timed him. They cheated. 
Yeah. Um, Let's just say this movie is successful. This movie's better for that, unless they were going to let him speak his native language and subtitle this. Yeah, I'd I'd agree. You need like the charisma of Frost is a big part of like why he works, and it's like I don't respect Jet Li. I just don't think he's gonna like that counterbalance. I don't think is gonna be there for something like this. Uh, Mark Wahlberg was considered. Hey guys, I'm vampires. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) I say we just take over. It's time for the new generation. Wait, I do love him in sci-fi movies with swords, though. I bit your mom. Infinite. Infinite is awful. Transformers Five. Terrible, terrible thing. He becomes (laughs) King Arthur. He could have. He could have. That could have been his Blade trilogy or sword trilogy. He'll have to. He'll have to do. He'll have to make Father Stew too. This time, there's swords in it. Uh, (laughs) Maybe if Peter Berg is directing. Um, Skeet Ulrich lobbied hard to play Deacon Frost. Uh, I can see that. Yep, you could. You you could see that. Oh yeah. Mark, War- Mark Wahlberg, fear era. Mark Wahlberg, I can see that. Oh, in a little bit yeah. here. I don't, it's not as effective, but I can I can see a version of that in this movie versus Wesley Snipes. Ulrich should be like, not not corn syrup. <laughs> Playing the ball is facial hair. <laughs> okay. Um, as far that's as Whistler goes, Patrick McGowan was uh, Stephen Ooh, wow. first choice. That's that's who he wanted to have as Whistler. <laughs> I've been a real old Whistler. <laughs> made this film even funnier opening a week after he was, the Avengers. He was huge. <laughs> he was a huge fan of the of um, of the prisoner, and he wanted Patrick McGowan. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Voight was the other consideration after that. I, I don't in know. Anaconda mode. I I yeah. can see Voight with like all the hair. All the hair. Oh god. <laughs> I don't I don't know how Chris Christopherson gets involved in this, but I like it. I'd be great. He's great. Yeah. He is great. Oh, yeah. As as one that does not, you know, I didn't grow up with Christopherson in with it. I know a lot of people certainly have, so I don't have much of a. Well, at this rec- point, he's not overexposed, and it's like fresh sure. and like, oh, he's still. But right. like my impression of Chris Christopherson, and it, it's not like it's changed much given what I've seen him in since seeing this movie. But it's like, yeah, this is this is the quintessential Chris Christopherson for me. Like this crusty old guy who's really cool. He's, dude, he's he's in that Sutherland Elliot Gould thing of like, how was that one of the sexiest men from the seventies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, all right. Another reason why I dig this movie, like 16 years old kid, kid living in Hudson, Florida. Like you walk into this club, uh-huh. like it just felt, I don't know, just this movie had such a cool vibe to it. For sure. Coming in here and like the performances up there, just all the people with the glasses. Like the coolest thing any superhero can do is go into like a 90s nightclub and just start like <laughs> punching people. Like, yeah, no, every, <laughs> every, every Batman movie where Batman goes to a club owes it to this movie as far as how <laughs> how authoritative the character is. He moves through the club slowly to catch somebody. So uh, the man. Batman, the Dark Knight, it's, those ones inspired. As by much Batman. as I adore the Burton films and respect the Schumacher films, it's hysterical that none of them had a sequence like that. Yeah, there's no, yeah. there's rarely intimidation to that degree in those earlier Batman yeah. movies. There's certainly like he stands, he grabs a guy, but like there's not a, <laughs> it's not a scene like this <laughs> where you can just walk into a room and make a make a big deal out of it while everyone sings and stuff. So you know the, the party's still going in the background. <laughs> Oh, it's Blade again. Uh, Snipes being a producer, what have you. Uh, Goyer wrote this movie with him in mind. Um, at that time, obviously, you get the you know the 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 the, the familiar lineup. Fishburne, Denzel were the ones there. Like, oh, we could do that also. Snipes was the one that Goyer wanted. Norrington agreed. That's how it went. There is we a saw, we saw the uh, Denzel one with Book of Eli. Exactly. Yeah, they, what they said they would give forty million if Denzel was in it, twenty million if Fishburne was in it, and thirty-five if they got Snipes. Mm-hmm. That's what Mike DeLuca said. <laughs> so it's yeah, they're like, all right, we'll take Snipes. That's fine. 
there's a version of this that was going to be set in Mexico that was a Western Richard Roundtree back in the early day. Oh. Um, LL Cool J was considered very early on before anybody was involved, just more of like a Blade movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Sni- Snipes famously uh, was trying to make Black Panther for the longest time. He wanted to make a Black Panther movie right. that was the quintessential Black superhero character in his eyes, which makes a lot of sense. Um, didn't happen because I imagine that movie would be expensive in the 90s to make. Um, especially in a realm where superhero movies are just not a thing. It's like, no, well, we're not going to send it? send you to Africa to make a Black was Panther. Movie. It, was this always set up at New Line too, or because that that makes a difference? Like New Line this time, they're not at Lord of the Rings yet. They're not so that there's limitations with what you could do here when you're at New Line producing this movie as opposed to being at like Paramount or Warner Brothers. Yeah, I don't, Cookies. I don't know, I don't know where Snipes was trying to get Black Panther made. I would assume Paramount maybe or something that but i but yeah Yeah, that would make sense at that time but um and 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 this is you know by the way this is a rare marvel film produced by essentially wb (laughs) like it's the the rival it's a marvel (laughs) which is interesting well it's not wb yet this is new New line well new line now they own it but new line was themselves well time warner owned both of them at that time okay it's still they're connected Um, enough but i i know what you're saying but i mean it's still you don't get any of the marvel movies under the new line (laughs) better Um, and I remember when the when the film came out, I mean, just the idea that oh, this is an R-rated action adventure film starring Wesley Snipes as a vampire who kills other vampires, and that in itself was a the selling point. The fact that it was based on a comic book was almost beside the point. I imagine actually, majority of the people that saw this yeah. back then didn't know it was a comic book, yeah, and that's so why it's a Wesley Snipes I, vampire movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you know, in terms of the discourse about you know the Marvel, you know, what started Marvel, what did that? I mean, yes, but this was sold far more as a Wesley Snipes star vehicle than a comic book superhero adaptation. Which, you know, you can argue and, you know, we joke about this a lot, but, you know, Spawn was almost more representative of what would come next because that was one where the entire hook was this comic book that you know and like. Right, yeah. Which had a fo- it had a decent following. I mean, it's more of execution yeah. as opposed to familiarity. That was the problem with Spawn. Oh, no, but I mean, it opened back when this was, you know, 21 million. It opened well, and I mean, it had really been- good. But it had like, you know, beyond like the like cool comic kids, no spawn. It had like an HBO series. Like it was a yeah. property that was people were aware of. Um, that uh, was my gateway. To I, mean, I, a... I knew what spawn was, but the HBO series is where I first you know learned the characters and the tropes. Blade had a spike TV series. Eventually, mm-hmm. which we will not speak of. Sticky fingers. I watched it. It's not very good. They, they started figuring it out toward the end, but it was too much too late. I just yeah. never, I never even tried. I was, I was like, little, we're, not, we're not doing this. This isn't happening. And I, I had a weird thing against Spike TV. It was just like, this just seems like such a weird attitude based channel. Like, there seems like there's no. Yeah, there's Robert no, Rodriguez is doing stuff for it. So. There's no. Spike TV, there's television no, for men. Well, yeah. has, it's his own. Rodriguez has his own channel. He has, what's, what's it called? The um, El Rey Network. El Rey, but yeah. he was doing some stuff, I think, for Spike From TV. Dust Till Dawn. Different Dust Till Dawn thing. Yeah. Rick, that was on El Rey, right? Where was that on? No, that was on his his network. That was the whole. A, that's how he launched okay. the channel with his mm-hmm. Fernando Dawson. Regardless, I, it's something about the idea of like this is a channel for men was like it's like <laughs> all right, I don't think I need to be involved in this. <laughs> men want more Ren and Stimpy. So Pearl. Oh, not to be confused with Brandon's favorite film of last year. This Pearl. Second. Second bit. Sorry, <sighs> I forgot about the um. 
um what's it that that um bla- uh, blazing um blazing samurai movie that animated yeah that one yeah the one with the, the animated dogs with michael Sarah and samuel jackson oh i know what you, i know what you're talking about yeah that movie oh, yeah um, you couldn't make blazing samples today fuck you they did so pearl <laughs> this thing took four <laughs> people to operate yep i I like that there's never anything else like this in the Blade series. They're just like, Mm-mm. yeah, there's just this really yeah. gluttonous <laughs> vampire thing that exists for some reason. The reason, by the way, they deleted it is because it eats children. Yeah. That's the... Oh. Um, <laughs> and a lot, apparently, because Jesus, this thing is ridiculous. Um, talk about, Brandon, like moments where the movie could oh. ease its way over into camp territory mm-hmm. and it manages to not ha- somehow do this. Oh. Like, in a different world, this would be like a ridiculous gif you see all the time or something. No one ever talks right? about Pearl. No one, no one brings no. up Pearl very much in the realm of comic book movies. It's a small sequence. It feels right at home with like Seven, which was yeah. a couple years old at the time. Oh, God. And it's brutal. Yeah, this <laughs> yeah. is this is brutal it's right not, now. It's not this really is a fun sequence. <laughs> Screaming. Like, you don't even like this thing. You're repulsed by it, but you're like, stop making it. Stop torturing it. Yeah. Make it scream. Jeez. And it's not even Blade doing it. It's her doing it. Like, she's, she's losing her shit. She's like, ah. Just like more world building. You get more weird characters, mm-hmm. strange worlds. Like, I, I dig that about this. Well, nowadays, no, it'd I... be like a character you like know from the comics is like, I'm not in this movie that much this time, but the next movie I'll be involved more. This is like a <laughs> yeah. one off. Like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> like, like Simon weird. Pegg is the hacker, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Jesus. I mean the things eat the thing eats babies. Yeah, I mean it's, it's a terrible thing. Get rid of it. Murder it. Depends on the baby. Yeah. He moved. Oh, um Ernest Dickerson was considered a direct going Ooh. out of like Oh, okay. Hey. Juice Demon Knight and um Demon Demon Knight, of course, easily was a big one. Uh David Fincher was involved um he helped go with the screenplay a bit he was uh directed that scene just now there's a (laughs) (laughs) there's a there's a period of time where he's like i'm gonna direct blade next and that didn't end up happening but there's a there's a bit of work that he did to uh get this movie going um I remember my main main thoughts when I because I did see this opening night. Yeah, when did you see this guy? By the way, yeah, the opening night with a friend, and I, you know, I was looking forward to it. It looked fine, but I remember obviously the Avengers had come out the previous week. The other Avengers, which was just an abomination. The Avengers. Eddie is yes. Avengers. Yes, exactly. And I remember being so relieved by Blade that you know whether I thought it was the greatest film ever or whatever, but it was it was okay there can still be competent, well-oiled blockbuster machines like this that is just straight down the middle line drive that does everything right and just, you know, doesn't trip along the way. It was just incredibly well-oiled studio filmmaking. In seven days, Scott went from cinema's dead to cinema has hope again. Pretty much. (laughs) He went from saying, Um, fuck, like Eddie Izzard does in Avengers 2, fuck, to watching Blade. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, obviously I was an 18 year old kid who was aware of the, the, you know, the racial notions in this film and appreciated them, but I, 
I certainly wasn't in a position to go, wow, this is a huge moment for representation. Because me, for me, it was, oh, it's a Wesley Snipes action movie. Cool. But you know, the one thing that I did notice even then was, yeah, that that, that they didn't that they didn't cast an Eva Mendez type as a, as a quote unquote love interest as they usually do with these kind of movies. Mark, you might know this already or be interested by this. That little girl that was in the um, vampire library, you know, one of those. Um, she trained under um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Billy Billy Blanks. Yeah, Billy Blanks. Yeah, Tybo, inventor of Tybo. And there's Jeff Amata right yeah, there. Jeff Amata, they live, yeah, 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 yeah. They live. Mm-hmm. And J.J. Perry's running around. J.J. Perry went on and directed a fun vampire film. Yeah, Day Shift. Which yeah, I Day Shift. Quite yeah. enjoy. And he's I love working that. on something else now? Scotty Atts. Well, Day Shift 2, I assume, will be the next thing. And there's our home. He's in Blade 2 back there. Uh, Fast and Furious. Uh, oh, Rick Ewing? Matt... Vince. No, Vince. Yeah, Vince yeah. is in Blade Oh, Blade oh Matt 2. Schultz. Yeah, yeah Matt Schultz. Yeah. Okay, you're talking about that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, Donnie ends in Blade Two. There's a like Blade Two. Yeah, yeah Donnie ends in Blade Two. Yeah, Blade Three is packed. I mean, Trinity's packed with people. Yeah, there's too. a I mean, lot of yeah. yeah. It's Although funny, it, like it Natasha Leone is one of the best off since the people in that movie playing the blind girl. Uh, I, I I'd argue everyone has a step up from Blade Trinity since that movie. Oh, that's <laughs> like, true. Well, oh, yeah. Except for me, well, even per even Purcell, Ryan Reynolds, yeah. Purcell's better noted for what is it? Prison not Captain, who's not who he's not Captain Cold, he's the other one. Fire guy, what's his face? What's his name? Oh, yeah, Heat Legends Wave. of Tomorrow. Heat Wave. He's better known as Heat Wave than he is as Dracula. <laughs> like he's... I don't think anyone ever, even if they know, they don't rec- want to recognize him for that. It's because I know him from a show called what was it, John Doe that was on oh, Fox. Prison Break. No, no, before, before, obviously, oh, Prison wow. Break. no, there's a show called John Doe where he was like, it's That's similar what... to like that show Blind Spot where it's like a guy, no memories. Yeah. knows every he's like he's like super smart yeah, that was the thing he had he just woke up one day he was he's super smart and he just randomly tries to help solve solve crimes with the dad from smart guy uh, i, I literally did not give prison break a chance because i saw dominic purcell and i was like oh, that guy no no thanks <laughs> nope i saw blade trinity no thank you he was in I, mission impossible 2 wasn't he as one of the side characters purcell i think so mm. I, he's uh, like a, check, he's I may check the detective work on that one, Norm. I'll look. Whistler coming in to save the day is awesome. Right oh yeah, here. it's the gunfire. And because it's R, they could just like have casual fuck offs, <laughs> like in the in the dialogue. Mm-hmm. I think right, gonna... like the the kung fu and yep, shit he's in, in, it. in Blade Trinity okay. just is not there either. Like because it's badly shot. Because David Goyer is a <laughs> yeah, terrible director. <laughs> like, so that's bad. why. That's yeah, why. There's, there's that's, a lot that isn't there. That's, yeah, what, that's why like... The Invisible is also a bad movie. <laughs> like yeah. he's a bad director. Yeah, I think Norrington just... in this one trusted his second unit a lot. Like he, he put a lot of faith in Snipes, and like yeah. he he was smart mm-hmm. enough to let the people who knew what they were doing do what they do. <laughs> And that's you know, why these scenes are, are awesome. And uh, Guillermo del Toro, uh, known to be good behind the camera. So that helped that movie also out, too. <laughs> so, that, that, was a, that was a benefit. Huge, if true. Yeah. No, then, I, saw, I saw Mimic. He's not lying. <laughs> hey, he, Robert Rodriguez came in. Still looks good. <laughs> still, still looks good on that. <laughs> I haven't watched the director's cut of Mimic in a while. I should do that. A movie that in the director's cut, Jeremy Northam still lives, which is ridiculous based off what's happening in that movie. Charles Dutton still dies. He's like Charles the Dutton sacrifice king. I feel yeah, yeah. Alien 3, Legion, and that. He's always like, Legion. Oh, oh boy, that's a movie. 
I'm kind of obsessed with the Paul Bettany angel vampire run there for a little bit. That, yeah, what's the, what's <laughs> yeah, the other one? There's Legion. What's the other one? Uh, Preacher? Preacher. Preacher, yeah. Preacher, yeah. With Matthew from the Protege. Priest. Remember that? Priest. Priest. Sorry. Remember Priest. The, oh, the, the Protege. Have you guys... You guys seen the protege? I don't know if we have. We have, we have we yeah. talked about it a lot in the last the couple of months. Protege, yeah, it's, it's got Maggie Q. It's got Michael Maggie. Keaton from The Flash. Did you guys see The Flash? And, and it has Need never backed speeds, down. Michael Cam Gigante. I like this stuff right here. This is some really specific yeah. things going on. We're like, because we're like by a subway. And it's very claustrophobic, even though it's expansive, but it's a subway. And you have like, you're conf- like the action could be confusing, but you get just enough where you see like Whistler, like he's injured, but he still is able to like escape underneath. You have Embouchet right like underneath the subway, like avoiding it. And then like Donald look at his face smashed in it like, and his arm chopped off again. Like this is mm-hmm. in a realm where it's hard to make these scenes work when we have nothing but visual effects to work with these days. Something about this movie makes this kind of stuff work where like Blade's gonna like grab the back of a subway and it's not like hard to register what's going on or making you concerned with how good it looks it's just the vibe of the film and like what it's maybe able to accomplish just yeah totally it's it's wild because it's clear that effects technology isn't there yet but they are working Uh like Mm -hmm. for some uh, for some reason like i can see the strings but it's it's in service of like everything else and fits well like it's it's bizarre because there are movies of this era this mid 90s to mid to 2000s era where that's not the case sure. with things like this and it was blade like and and also but like blade 2 still has i can see the strings effects and a lot of it has to do with matching up lighting and stuff and probably looks better if you saw a film print on the big screen than here on digital smaller home video, i'm still looking forward like, to the 4k this. for blade 2 that's what i need to see that yeah. needs to happen sometime but like, yeah, there are digital doubles but i think the way del toro uses them it mm-hmm. it only enhances the comic booky nature of it so it doesn't feel like distracting it just feels right. like yeah there's choices being made here yeah but a lot of it too like some of these like they're they're like i movies are shot for the big screen but like mm-hmm. a lot of these the digital the the visual cg effects work when it's like a print on the big screen and then they come to digital home video or something and it's like oh these effects don't look so good but i'm like they oddly enough look better blown up and on a film print than whatever they transferred to here and yeah the state the obvious if the rest of the movie works who cares if the plane crash in air force one looks ridiculous or you know the the train crash in next Starring Nicholas Cage, yeah. Julianne. Yeah, Moore. that was the problem. Julianne Moore's <laughs> bad hat. That's a terrible hat in that movie. Oh, yeah, the visual effect. No, the visual effects in that one are dog. The hat shit. lost that's me. I'm telling you, I was like, was the visual effects are bad, it. but that hat's worse. <laughs> that, that that's the funny because I worked on that Blu-ray and they had a special feature about, about the hat. The visual no about the visual effects. <laughs> and I'm like, why are you showboating this shit? <laughs> yeah, I why? just found a hat in a in a at a diner. And I just slapped it on her head. Yep. And I just thought, you know what? This will yeah, this will work. This will be the one where she wears the hat. People will remember <laughs> that. Um, let's see. No, I didn't get to say it, but I do like Mercury in this movie. Just so uh, you know, she was inspired by Watto in Star Wars: Attack of the Clones. <laughs> he had a hat in that. Yeah. One. So like, oh look, time has passed. He wears a hat now. Mer- Mercury. Yeah. Harrison a... Ford does some bad hat in a movie too. I can't remember. But Devil's Own, maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of bad in that movie, so that could be. Yeah. It. Here we go. This is all you need. You don't need to watch it all. Whistler tells the truth. Yeah. And he does it in Whistler voice, so it's like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's an old uh, white man, so you believe him. He did right? a guitar. <laughs> Always helpful. Vin Diesel learned from him because he's a sleeves ripped off. 
<laughs> uh, Mark, you're saying uh, Mercury. Yeah, I don't know. Like even just the trailers and watching in this movie, like there's the this has a, I'm just saying it has a strong bench. Like Mercury, Quinn, Whistler, Frost, like Karen, even like even Udo Kier, like even Tracy Lords. I thought was cool. Like there, yeah. it just has a deep bench for a movie like this. Like uh, they they did a good job casting, and I like that Mercury's like in the action. I, I always thought mm-hmm. she was cool. I mean, we could like everybody is hitting that style, like the same kind of style in different ways, and they all look cool as hell. Like. Mm-hmm. And being just the nature of being a Wesley Snipes movie and being set where it is and what have you, like the soundtrack certainly adds to it. And obviously you have your score and whatnot, but like this one, whereas like Blade 2 and Blade 3 Trinity are more influenced. They're more, they leaned harder on hip hop. Like this one is a blend of hip hop and like EDM and house music. Oh yeah. And it just, there's a a great, it's a big pulsating vibe in this. And at a time when, new metal's about to take over when it comes mm. to superhero movies the blade films stuck stuck their ground with the hip-hop and the techno well again laying the ground for like the matrix soundtrack yep the matrix very similar to blade yeah. like it's crazy like, well it's more rock focused but it does have the techno element for sure yeah. in there uh prodig- the pro- sorry the prodigy was asked mm-hmm. to score for blade they they, they declined um smacking their bitch up but the, what the pump panels remix of confusion like that thing hits at the blood rave like that's just the blood rave music yeah. <laughs> is incredible. <laughs> like that, and then I remember the trailer for Fast and Furious Four. It had uh, that, yeah, this, this we EDM are song that just yeah, that just hit. I got. It. I was I, obs- know, I, guess, I was obsessed with that. Like Fast and Furious, yeah. my least favorite Fast movie. I was obsessed with that song for that. That trailer rules. <laughs> like that trailer. Yeah. That trailer knew. That trailer is why the movie opened to what? Scott, ninety yeah. million. Seventy million. Seventy. Yeah. Wait, the fourth one. The fourth one. Yeah. The fourth one. Yeah, yeah. Well, $70 million in April. Which was I remember I was sitting with my friend Scooter, my friend Scooter and I, because we, we had seen uh, Tokyo Drift and we were the two people that were like, this movie's great. Why are, what are you talking about? Uh, but then the fourth one came out. We're like, all right, they're back. Let's see where this goes. And we're sitting in the theater being like, well, they got the parts. What, the, what does this make this weekend? Like 40? And then we <laughs> we saw each other again on Sunday. It's like, this movie fucking $70 million. This is crazy. <laughs> we are rock stars, It was it it built movie. an excitement that was yeah. just like, like, was, like, I remember Scott, you had told me we were talking and you were like, I don't even know these movies, but I'm excited for this them to be back. Yeah, it was a very <laughs> early <laughs> example of manufactured nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And the example I always use alongside that was in season four of 24, where they frankly canned most of the cast. It was basically Chloe, Jack, and maybe one or other two yeah. people. And throughout season four, you'd have the old regulars show up that, you know, normally just, oh, they're there. It's the season. But because they were gone, when Tony shows up, everybody cheers. Mm-hmm. No, it was just Chloe and Jack at the beginning. Yeah, and- yeah. It was just Chloe, just Jack, and you know, bit by bit, you had the old regulars yeah. showing up mm-hmm. here and there. And because they had been removed, the, you know, the audience was like, oh, yay, this character that I otherwise would have taken for granted last year is now back. <laughs> um, and with the Fast and Furious campaign, I mean, they turned something that arguably was a defeat. I mean, let's be honest. They don't all come back if they're able to find fortune and glory elsewhere between Fast and Furious 1 and Fast and well, Furious Well, yeah, because we never got the sequel that you people wanted to the first yeah. one. Um <laughs> Um, that's the thing is, you know, we got accidentally created a cinematic that's, universe. That's what happened. We, we got something better twice. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now the thing is that was the second they brought it back together, it became worse again. <laughs> but nowadays with that in that kind of stuff, you're like, oh, they'll get them back. Yeah. Like there's no like there's well, yeah, no hesitation. They signed, they signed the contracts. Yeah, they'll get them back. 
Well, I mean, everybody wants to jump back to that franchise. And yeah. you know, when they hit a relevancy, they're, oh, yeah, of course I don't. Of course, Heather Langenkamp would do another Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, like, of course she would. Yeah, Man Apart oh. didn't do too good for Diesel. Well, yeah. Man Apart, Triple X did fine. He just said no yeah. again. Like, he yeah. he was yeah. so big on Riddick. He wanted, because he, he's, you know, he, we yep. don't know this. He's a D&D nerd. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted, that, that was just, he and Tui were like, we got reams of stories and these novels we crafted. We want to make these movies. And the, the world the said, of the rings, this shit, the world said, <laughs> we don't want you to make these movies. And so, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, here, yeah, this, uh, this scene's great. Um, I love the, the idea of like motorcycle helmets so they could, yeah, stay out yeah. the light. Yeah, Simple, motorcycle helmets and, uh, and like the sunblock that they use later on. Like, there's just, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The little details they have as far as how vampires work in the modern world. I, I like yeah. that. And also, yeah, like the closure to this arc as far as the dwarf here relationship, he mm-hmm. murders him <laughs> like violently in the sunlight. And pulls his fangs. Like he pulls his fangs cool. out. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's brutal and it's like effective character building as oh. far as what what this represents. But that's a fun effect. It looks like something out of Bram Stokers. There it goes. Yeah. That would have like... taken Roma Coppola like eight months. Yeah. <laughs> Deep thoughts with Jack Hayden. And I like how they're bonding over this. They're like, they're holding yeah. hands. Yep. Everything. <laughs> Boom. I love the blood chalice. Like, they have house blood this, hanging uh, out on the table. This movie shot largely <laughs> in LA, which makes sense when you look at that beach scene and think, there's no beach in New York that looks like that, <laughs> that has rocks out there in the water. Uh, that is an LA beach, easily. You can see, you can tell by the needles all over the sand. But yeah. Yeah, largely going to LA, some death, death Valley work as well, which was probably great for Wesley Snipes wearing all black all the time. So this one stands out because this is the one where you don't have it. The one Blade movie where you've got like Blade, Whistler, and the newcomer, and the rest of the movies are like team versus team. Would it would you have a Blade? Oh, movie? yeah, yeah, yeah. The next because the next the wolf one pack. the the pack, yeah, the blood pack, the blood, pack. It? The blood yeah. pack against you know, the, the Reaper, Reavers. Reavers and whatever been the actual family that's like, oh, no, we were doing this the whole time, too. Uh, and then the next one you have, he's he's got his, like... The Night team, Stalkers that he hates. Or the Night Stalkers. <laughs> and he, then, he instantly hates them to his credit. He's like, fuck this. Like, that's his whole vibe. <laughs> yeah. the and, then you, and, and then you have Parker's posies that are against them. So. P-pose. <sighs> Great head kick in that movie. Well, Blade Two at least it's like it's more of a reluctant team up as far as like we need to deal with this because this thing is worse than than us. And you thought well, we that's were right, bad. It's far more interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, just a, got, it's like, a classic sequel hook. The good guy has to team up with the villains to fight somebody worse. Mm-hmm. Plus, you have Ron Perlman leading the team, so it's like, yeah, that's fun. Here's the computer Ooh. person. Here's the here's the wise. We don't cracker. need to talk about shit anymore. <laughs> we don't need to keep doing this. <laughs> I am happy though that they didn't do what Del Toro wanted. He wanted to do like a post-apocalyptic movie, which became what the 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 series he did for FX. The like strain. that would have well, yeah, he, loved, the strain. he loved those novels. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But, but that just would have taken Blade into like a post-apocalyptic world. Like I'm kind of glad they didn't do that. Because what I, do you do after that? I'd agree. Yeah. yeah. take? I mean, I love the idea like that he does do with the second Blade. It's like okay, what's what's what would scare a vampire? We've done vampires. Like, what What do we do? Oh. You know? Mm. So now yeah. the vampires become the weaker thing. Like, you know, Buffy, like, when Spike comes, like, Spike can no longer be scarier. So when you bring him back, you know, 
he joins you know he's lesser and you gotta you use that to prop up whatever the next villain is as worse or something that's why i was weird to tolerate the strain as much as it because like there's so much blade 2 in that even though he was inspired by blade the strain to make blade 2 to begin with as far as the the look of the monsters in the strain series as well as the monster that was on Corey Stoll's head for most of that series. And right. then the monsters in Blade 2. Corey Stoll, the man of wigs, I never believe a real hair. Yeah. <laughs> well, in this and Hellboy share a certain trope where you have the... Well, Luke Goss, dying, is, the, Luke Goss the is, the dying, same, is the same arc as a villain in both movies. Yeah. Well, that too. And you also have the, you know, the, the veteran dying mentor who gets murdered at the end of the second act. Yeah. But it's, it's terrible, but it's less terrible because you know he's dying. Yeah. I, yeah, I suppose you don't want Whistler to die at all. Where yeah. Hellboy, it's an inevitability that just gets sped up. Yeah, but yeah, um, Hellboy two, which again, tremendous. Um, yes, <laughs> that's, <laughs> it's that, fucking awesome. That has Luke Goss in the villain role again, playing basically the same character to it as far as yes, it, yeah. it's, and it's mainly because Guillermo del Toro is so devoted to making the villain sympathetic, and so like you feel for this guy as far as trying to right whatever wrong he sees and dealing with you know a, a sibling and a king that he doesn't like a dad that he doesn't like anymore and that's kind of it's like i i appreciate it <laughs> if he's going back to the well and being this effective at it no fault to him when it kills yeah. that plant creature he's like that was the yeah. last one you're like oh yeah, oh, yeah you feel, you feel bad for YouTube. shit in that movie <laughs> yeah. like bro i love this scene because it's just a classic hero mm-hmm. and villain meet up in the middle of the movie just talk shit yeah this Little is the heat time scene yeah and as good yancy yes yes (laughs) i like that it's daylight because we don't get many even you know outdoors daylight we get some daylight seems we don't get any like outdoors in the broad daylight and steven dorf's like yeah i got some luck (laughs) you know vampires have worked before right so now you've established that in the world And they met in what is presumably Chinatown, even though it's shot in L.A. and probably just dressed up some trees to make it look like something. Put the background out of focus. Um, yeah, exactly. They, ca- they cast the right <laughs> child. Yeah, it's, it's actually on uh, Los Olivos <laughs> Street in L.A. It's, it's, just all, it's, it's nothing but uh, Hispanic characters around, but they dressed up. Made it slightly different. Steven Dorff uh, doesn't like doing big movies. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> I think he makes it very apparent whenever he talks about big movies. Um, Is that his way of saying big movies don't like him? or I mean, He's an indie guy. I, you know, he, right. he has an attitude, no question. But you know, he's no Christian Slater. <laughs> he's, not, he's not lining up for the big ones and getting turned down. Uh, it just seems like he also played Dracula, sort of. Uh-huh. Wait, but, what? Um, no, I'm kidding. It was oh. John Reese Davis, who sounds exact. Not John Reese Davis. John Reese Myers. Oh, John Reese Myers. Yeah, played Dracula in NBC, whose American accent sounds exactly like Christian Slater. <laughs> but uh, Stephen Dorff, he was convinced to take it, probably because yeah, international appeal and whatnot. It'll make me more popular. Uh, he he wanted he wanted to go for Jack Nicholson. That was his. I mean, not like aping him, but as far as oh, like okay. motivational wise, acting wise, that's the that's what he I was looking it. to, among other. Well, villains. this does feel like a you know comparatively a seventies Nicholson. Yeah, yeah, it does actually. Yeah, I'll say that. Um, Speaking Connery of drawings, Myers, oh. he was a uh, he was uh, helicopter McFlattery in <laughs> Mission Impossible Mission Impossible Three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they tried to call the Australian guy, but they uh, could not remember his name. So they hired John John, John Rice Myers. So. 
Gosh, the director yeah, of Swim Fan, busy. right? He was, he I know, was he was busy. He was doing like... Uh, lots of movies. <laughs> All the movies. He's I'm like, sure we I talked just... about this on the Mission Impossible 2 commentary track we recorded years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Steve, Steve Zahn was originally the Australian actor. I mean, then he got replaced at the last minute. Where he had to, what? He had to do something else instead. He couldn't Whoa. go on for Mission Impossible. Well, he's on Eastbound Down now, so that's great. But him and DeGray Scott, um, just... Lots of stories about their involvement with Impossible 2 and what could have been. I like an inspiration. Wesley Snipes said he he drew from um, like William Marshall and Blackula. Then he brought Gene Kelly, Ferris Dare, Douglas Fairbanks. And then he put, you got to talk about my man, Richard Roundtree. Of course. Like, I love that he brought up all those names. Uh, he's like, Blade had a coat back in the tomb of Dracula, but Shaft's coat was better. I love that quote from him. <laughs> that's good a little uh, early yeah. matrix there with that slow-mo moving out of right. the way yeah. well you know what I, I noticed that like movies stuff like nowadays like you rather they just go like you're all in on the slow-mo or not like in back in movies it'd be like like it cut to like be like slow-mo for a second cut to regular action or something you know like franticness like wasn't afraid to use a bunch of different methods within like a you know 15 second jaunt there i don't know but, if he's ever talked about it but i have a feeling snipes is huge on anime um and i i think that you know in talking about like slow-mo and stuff i think that's something he really wanted to bring to his movies like you have a scene like demolition this in the, man art of war honestly honestly yes the, the demolition man the, the no I'm, I'm being serious uh, yeah, like, yeah yes, that, that is these, how he goes big yeah these blade movies and yes art of war which comes out what 2000 and has that bullet time effect you know right after the matrix i assume I, I think that's more he likes what we can possibly do as opposed to like he saw Wachowski's thing. And it was like, we need to do this. I think he just that was the direct like looking at Blade just now. I think that's the direction he saw things going in. Wanted to try to bring that out in movies. He's like, this is what I'm telling you guys about. This is what I was telling you. <laughs> Once again, they have their jackets and matching ski caps. When does Wesley Snipes is like because like Blade Trinity feels like, I guess, the end. Right. Scott, is that? <laughs> As far as like him, yeah, like pretty much a marquee star for sure. He also gets arrested. Yeah, yeah well, that comes yeah. eventually too. In fact, I, mean, I would say, you know, not to be gloomy, Gus, but other than Blade movies, I can't think any offhand of any early two thousands biggies that he headlined. Because there's undis- there's undisputed with him and Ving Rhames, which oh, yeah, Walter got, got it got its sequels. Yeah, but the director video um, sequels. But even Art of War, when that comes out, I mean, yes, it was in theaters, but it wasn't much of a hit. And nobody expected it to be. No, that is pictures. They probably Mur- lost half Murder the budget because 16, of the 1600, and, which is a cable classic, it seems. That's but, 96. Yeah. And then uh, U.S. Marshals, of course. Yeah. Oh, no, he, right. he, the 90s, he was pretty much from 91 to, nine, you know, to 98. Yeah. Um, yeah the the train was coming in the evening. Trams coming in the house. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, Art of War 2. Betrayal. But that, yeah, obviously, then Blade kind of becomes the singular focus for his career beyond, yes, yeah. having, and then after, yes, yes, there's obviously, there's the, there's the, uh, if I ever find Jail. my accountant again, I'll kill him uh, section of his yes. life. Um, because it's not, it's not, it's not like it's Wesley Snipes' fault. It's like, yeah, you hired the wrong people. It's like, like I'm going to actively disobey the law so I can, uh, make things incredibly tough on myself but then he becomes just added value right he's just supporting guys and expendable yeah i mean it's it's really for the past what 
10 years, mm-hmm. it's been a situation where it's it's a happy surprise when he shows up. Yeah, it is because like, he's because oh, he's very good. Him. Like it's, yeah. he's he's always welcoming things. He's the best part of various Eddie Murphy movies I've seen in the past couple of years. Yeah. Oh shit! Yes. What happened to Whistler? This is so sad when you watch, like, especially it's when you watch it when it's the first movie. And you're like, well, he's done, right? I mean, that's like, there's no re. We won't see him again. It's 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 sad. Someone stole the body. Maybe just like the look they give me, where he's just like, he's not wearing, he's not, his hair is not puffed up. He's not wearing his shirtless sleeves, t shirts. He's like just this old man sitting in a chair. It almost looks like he's wearing like a hospital gown. Yeah. And it's like the makeup's not overdone. If anything, it feels like they underdid it. So it's like, I guess this is real. Like it doesn't feel wildly over the top. When did they begin this? Like he's they want to raise a vampire god or like a god in general, then they get the god and then they lose. Like when did that trope like Thor 2? It's like I'm gonna get the most powerful thing in the world. Well, I'm dead. Like when when did that trope begin? I don't know. That's a big question, but it's like I'm gonna raise the vampire god. And then it just blade kills him. Like, what do you mean? Like the well, I don't know. Like the whole plot. trope of yeah, the villain tries to raise a god, and then they actually do, and then they just die. It's pretty standard. I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark does that. Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's that's an adventure plot. You'd be more successful if you're just like, I'm doing pretty good right now. But that wouldn't make a movie good. Then it would be like slackers or clerks. Yeah, Stephen Dorff is riding pretty high before he tries to start La Magra. <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> it does, like if it was like a... really, it seems like he probably could have held on a little longer to his autonomy after murdering all of the board, the board of vampires. <laughs> yeah. like, it's like I, I basically run the U.S. now, right? Like I don't really need La Magra to help me out here. Like if Hank from Custod, you know, like a Hank from accounting wanted to become the ruler, sure, but you know, not the head of it already. Yeah, you're not wrong. Stephen Dorff's plan does see Deacon. Sorry, Deacon Frost's plan does seem a little short sighted as far as we kind of own this shit. <laughs> like, what do we? We have like the cops are in our back pocket. Like, do we really need like a blood god on top of all of this? That's a lot of that's a lot of extra weight. Hey, boss, we're doing pretty good. <laughs> let's uh, it's like let's those spots where I'm like, you have all the you have all of the money to afford all these henchmen. You have a fancy lavish place. Like, what else do you need, guy? Like, what what are you not getting away with? Sir, we have a we have a volcano layer. Like this is pretty cool. Like we're doing all right. Like our weekends are great. Like what we could, <laughs> you know, we could expand, I guess, but like to what avail? That's why number that's why um number two in Austin Powers is always the logical one. It's like we right. We, we not only are we doing great, we've legitimized most of the company. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're we're better now than we were just asking for millions of dollars randomly every now and again. I like that Stephen Dorff gives him like Blade a second to be like, take some time to drink all this in before I tell you my evil plot. Let me give you a second here. <laughs> anyway, so my evil plot is <laughs> I'm gonna lay it all out for you. <laughs> oh, I love a good gearing up montage. Oh yeah, making the bullets. Make that's that's his smelly silver face. Use it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a part in Trinity where uh, Jessica Beale's like talking to Pat Oswalt. He's like, "Can you get me this?" And he's like, "Done." And he walks away. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone's so hard in that. 
it's weird watching that one again <laughs> like i'm I, I think it's no one on this podcast i'm not big on reynolds in that period at all like even now because he's going back to what that period was more in films like red notice or what have you i'm like this is why i didn't like you you <laughs> can get back, yeah. back to me <laughs> so like watching blade Trinity is like oh yeah this is the epitome of me not liking ryan reynolds right now and while and the- a- while amityville I think he's slenderer in that film because do like, the voices yeah, he's again. terrific in that because he, I mean, that's where I, because yeah. I just get the beard on him in Trinity looks too big for him. <laughs> it looks like he's like, has a big boy beard and he's right. not like old enough to like pull that off. In the right way. Well, that was during the period, like all of a sudden, like they had to make a movie and he had to be like, react like, Oh my God, to something <laughs> in every movie. Add like, a that's... three, three one-liners when one will do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a weird relationship with Blade Trinity because I, uh, I lost fifty pounds because of that movie. Because uh, uh, explain, I, I used to be two fifty and I was big when I went to Florida. I used to be able to bench three fifty, press one hundred eighty five. But like I was playing basketball one day, blew up my knee, and I was like, I just can't sustain this. So I was like, I need to lose weight. Then I found out his workout from Blade Trinity mm-hmm. and his diet, and I just followed that for months, and I lost fifty pounds. So it's like whenever I see Blade Trinity, I remember that. It's like I had a weird. I don't like the movie, but I'm like, it helped me lose 50 pounds. So I guess I like it. So yeah, like I was like, uh, I had knee surgery, and I was like, I need to lose. I need to drop 50 pounds because like it makes no sense for me to be this big. And then I yeah. So I whenever I see Blade Trinity, I'm like, hey, I have good memories about this, but the movie's bad. So I'm conflicted. But yeah, that was a it's good diet. Very random story, but whatever. I grew my hair like Stephen Doris after watching this. No, I'm yeah. joking. Like, no. You style it all and everything. You take uh... 10 minutes to make sure all the flops were in the right place. <laughs> like, that's a very specific haircut that he has going on. Like, that's, yeah. that is a, I need to wake up and do this specifically type of hair. It's not just messy. But like, these vampires smoke. They yeah. have presumably haircuts. Like, what? Like they're not dead. They're not falling apart. It's, they a, have, it's an interesting. They have organized raves. Like yeah. They, I mean, yeah, they're living the life. Yeah. Steven Doris. So is... when Donald Lowe comes oh. up and he's like, "We're going to be great vampire gods," I'm like, "Dude, what? You're our vampire gods. Like, what? <laughs> put on some sunblock. You can go to the You're beach. You're immortal like... beings that run yeah. everything. Like, what? What is the game here? <laughs> like, mean... if you kill all the humans, that seems like less fun for you guys. You don't get to do that stuff anymore. Yeah. He has Steven Dorf. Uh, he either like is a real big fan of or plays bass in the band Orgy with that haircut. That's what he's, <laughs> he's going for. Oh, good. Are we about to see a nice hallway fight? Yep. It's a small hallway. Like you, you get some hallway action. A small way. There's there's a lot of fighting that's going to happen in the last like 20 minutes of this movie. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, boys got me thinking Jesus, about it. Only, we're only 122 in. Yeah, we go. Oh, yeah, we got to have the whole. Blade gets like drained of blood and meets Sonali, oh, yeah. the boy I always forget is in this movie. Loving uh, basketball. Yeah. Should have gotten an Oscar. AVP, man. AVP. AVP. She loves that movie, by the way. She I re- should. She's the that. lead yeah. of a fucking Predator movie. Yeah. Who wouldn't she, want to It was like that? the highest, it was like the highest grossing uh like female, black female lead film until something yeah. came up for a long. It held the title. Yeah. Well, that's not surprising at all. I love Paul Lovesy Anderson. I don't care. I, I like his non-resident evil movies. <laughs> Mortal, Mortal Kombat. Is yeah, the yeah. best video game adaptation. Yeah, you're speaking my language. <laughs> the right spot here. <laughs> Feels weird being surrounded by people not scoffing immediately at Paul W. O. Anderson. I, or maybe you're keeping it quiet. Like I no, pretty, uh, 
you got a soft spot, Brandon, right? You like a lot of this stuff. I those, those are like Resident Evil movies are like my favorite trash. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I I don't I'm not gonna defend any of them, but I I do enjoy I I do enjoy them to a, a weird degree of enjoyment. And we all like Event Horizon and yeah yeah Event I, Horizon rocks. I like Jason State the Mario Kart. That's a fun one. Yeah. The final fight in Mortal Kombat's really good. It is a Robin Shaw. Like if you oh, they yeah. actually. He doesn't cut every shot. Like it's a good final fight. Yeah, I, I, there's a, like you know it's 95 and it's directed by an English <laughs> director, <laughs> um, like it's with no martial arts background. So yes, it is what it is. But I do think that the Johnny Cage fight it with Scorpion, I think, is pretty solid. But like, they had Amada and J, uh, uh, JJ Perry in there. Like he brought in some pretty cool like Hong Kong folks for the fight. Oh yeah, so, they, yeah. They, they he certainly showed his admiration for that genre, regardless of how well he's able to you know replicate it. This is cool yeah. stuff where Blade's yeah. just so, shoving viruses in people's face. <laughs> so, so like, I, I like the Resident Evil movies in a way that I can't get into Underworld movies. Like, well, because those movies are. I, I would put them movies on like those same kind of level, but like, I enjoy the one. <laughs> well, because there's at least style and color in those movies where Underworld is just like, what if it was just black and blue and no fun at all? We have vampires, <laughs> vampires and werewolves and they're at war and it's boring. We should make it boring. That's that's our goal. <laughs> we, should, we should do that five times. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no late. There's no cheeky laser grids or elevators in, yeah, the, like, in the Underworld. As oh, much as is nowhere to be found. Yeah. As much as I resent Resident Evil, I, I, agree, I could agree that Anderson's bringing a lot more than um than uh, what's his face? Good day, Lee Lee Lee. Uh, was it? Was it Wait, Len Wiseman. What's his name? Len Wiseman. Thank you, Len Wiseman. Len Wiseman. Yeah. Well, that laser it broke my, my heart in early 2017. I realized that the Underworld Blood Wars was a better movie than Final Resident Evil: The Final Chapter. Yeah, it really must have. Yeah. Things were, through things were yeah, a loop there. They got the, one. Yeah. Good job. Underworld. That final chapter is boring. Yeah, yeah, it's really underwhelming, and it's very generic and ordinary. Well, yeah. In, terms yeah, of it, 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 in terms of what he'd done before and where they get to it with like editing and shooting it, I was like, What the hell happened here? Mm-hmm. Was Jovovich like pregnant again or something? Yeah, after <laughs> after like a, the bath, the slow motion ba- bathroom fight with James Cameron's rigs in the fourth one, and then to get to the sixth one, you're like, Ugh. Love and basketball. Yeah, this whole plot here with with Blade meeting his his mother, your mama. It's like we have very little time to like get into the emotions of this, but it's certainly like it makes it it leaves its impact. Oh yeah, mainly because it's just oh. weird because Deacon Frost is like very specifically like involved her in his life. Snipes wanted her for this movie, like he specifically got her in this. They actually they wanted a white woman first. <laughs> 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 her, her and snipes do something again like later on i believe i think it's one of um gina prince brathwood's movies too it's like her one after love and basketball if flash, i think flash beyond blade trinity let me see <laughs> what's the movie she does after love and basketball it might be a tv movie maybe that's why i can't beyond the lights no it's been no disappearing acts it's the same year it is a tv movie it's wesley oh, snipes it's not late them it's uh yeah it's made for tv drama so like so yeah snipes and Latham got back together again hmm Oh, disappearing act. I mean, it's, is, a, it's a TV you know, movie, so I mean, it's not. <laughs> it is telling, I guess. You know, the extent that even though, you know, everybody was hoping this would be successful and it would spawn sequels, this is a very self-contained one-and-done yeah. movie. He, you know, he 
Whistler dies. He finds his mother. He kills his mother. He avenges his mother. He saves the world. You know, you know, finish. And yeah, there's you know the idea that he'll go on and keep killing vampires, but you know, obviously, if there had never been a sequel, this is a very complete full circle kind of movie where yeah the bad guy's the one that created him accidentally or intentionally whatever so is um, just blade like two. burton's batman blade two is blade blade two is a week in the life of blade that's what that movie is like, which is great <laughs> it's a self-contained movie like even if you didn't see the yeah. first blade you could probably pick up decently mm-hmm more matching ski caps yeah, i saw the second blade with my mom who had like i think we had like just watched blade on dvd because she hadn't seen it for some reason hmm. and then, and so we got to blade 2 which she hadn't seen the trailers for and she was so happy when chris christopherson was like he's back like, like, <laughs> she really liked chris christopherson he's like it's so sad that he died and she's like he's back in this one that's great they brought back the best chris <laughs> <laughs> I think I know Chris I, Walken was in that. I think <laughs> I think Hi. we saw I think we saw Blade 2 also. We had seen H2O at that point on TV and they and they showed the trailer uh for Jason X. Yeah, that's because that's yeah. before. Yeah. And and she like got confused for a second thinking, did they just cut his head off? It's like, no, that's Michael Myers. <laughs> I think that's probably my favorite horror road trip when Michael Myers drives from Illinois to California because he stops for gas i think i did the math like you did six, seven you times could, you could hotels mine... yeah exactly like does he how does he pay for gas does he siphon it like i want to see this movie you could mine the shit out of that for fan fiction <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, I he's walking the... up the cars and make, taking the mask awkwardly yeah. off be like yeah <laughs> <laughs> Wait, does he check into a like a motel six or something <laughs> the gas of that ridiculous car that he has that he yeah, takes, it was, takes uh... from a random <laughs> mother <laughs> the right. skylark i figured out how much gas it got per gallon and like uh, yeah i try i mapped the whole thing like uh that's that that's definitely fanfic i want to see just him pumping gas that little bit where Donald Logue, like punches Blade oh. while Steven Dorr's talking to him. He's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this movie ends in a damn sword fight. Like, yeah. just completely before Zorro the next summer. Like, just... Now, we didn't talk about how Blade has, like, the Blade sword that has, like... Influencer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Blade, was, Blade was the original influencer. <laughs> this, this Blade sword where, like, it automatically, like, destroys your hand if you're not Blade. <laughs> right. That's fine. Oh, I love this way he taunts Donald Logan. Yeah, when like, he pretends to want to cut so his arm off. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> it's just, there's just no reason for it. <laughs> it's like, there are serious men all around us. You want to fuck with me right now? <laughs> he loves it, too. <laughs> Man, Diggins, this guy's really? such a kidder. <laughs> that's, that's one of our games we play. <laughs> He did it with my foot one time. It was really funny. You, guys you see that? You see that? I like how they have him. He's like, Dalek's like trying to dress like swab, but just not pulling it off. Like, I love it. Like, yeah, he needs to wear a belt. He's dressing I'm like, sure man. He, he's dressed like one of John Travolta's uncles from Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. <laughs> We're going out clubbing, Tony? All right. I want to see Snipes and Travolta walking next to each other, like the Blade Walk and. Uh... The I believe that is a that montage movie. out there. There's like a there's yeah. like a street montage of like all the characters walking on streets. Like <laughs> nice. I, I think someone I think someone edited all that together, which is pretty cool. Oh yeah, I want to see that. 
Does it start with Travolta and I'll see if I can find it. and end with Travolta and staying alive? Like, <laughs> yeah, please. But that's it's a great walking scene. I'll find it later because I'll get there's a lot of different walking montages people edit together. <laughs> I'm gonna strut. I feel like Costner might be one of the best walkers because I don't think I can ever think. I don't think he's ever ran in a movie. That doesn't surprise me. Lazy. Aaron says he's never acted. In <laughs> <laughs> very <Wait> docile. <laughs> he waited 25 years until the 2000s and then he started acting a little bit. <laughs> he said he like he did Bull Durham. He's like, you know what? That's enough for me. And then he stopped for a while. <laughs> then he's like, all right, I'm directing open range. I might as well try again. Yeah. Even that gunfight, they're walking around. Yeah, there's no no one hurries in open range. They are they are so despite how awesome that gunfight is, yeah. no one is in a hurry. They are leisurely taking cover. Robert Duvall's just like, there's a plank of wood here. I could hide behind that, I guess. <laughs> it's better than extraction two in the the, uh, oh, the ladder. ladder. Yeah, <laughs> like the first shot in open range, it's just like you killed our friend Kim Cotes in the head. Like and then they walk away. No movie rocks. Open range. That's a good movie. Yeah. It really does. It's really, it's really great. Diego Luna, right? It's, Diego Luna, yeah. yeah. Benning, Who's the villain in that? Um, Michael Gambon, I believe. Oh, yeah. Dumbledore. Oh, I love a good <laughs> hole filled with a monster or like a pit. That looks so painful. Every time like, I see it, like she falls down a hole, like down a cement hole, already not fun. And she lands on like a random orb in the center of the room. <laughs> Army like the Rancor pit. Tribute. Yeah. You got down there, Rancor. <laughs> this would be my favorite movie ever. It's a Rancor. Surprise! It's a Rancor. There's no it's point. Like, it's, it's like it's <laughs> Pearl, it's Pearl <laughs> again, but Pearl has evolved into a Rancor somehow. <laughs> There's no point to watching movies anymore, guys. Um, this is it. It would have to be a little Rancor. Might be cute. I like how they just decide to make it personal. Like, this could yeah. just be anything, but they're like, no, let's make it the guy from the beginning that she yep. used to date. Like, <laughs> let's just make him suffer even more. And he's like, a, he's like Griffin Dunn in American Werewolf for some reason. He's just like this weird zombie vampire. He's just been eating people down there. He's like, like I think they say he like nods on like animals. It's like they gave him like animals and stuff. Like he, they say like I think they say he they turned him, but he didn't quite turn all the way. So he just kind of uh, stuffed him down here, and they like throw animals at him. That's why all these bones are here. So he didn't turn all the way. He didn't even kill him. I forgot. All right, he'll be back. Blade four. <laughs> the Remember of, me. Return of Curtis. <laughs> what was I to look up? This fan favorite, <laughs> this fan favorite character will return in the fourth film. What was I gonna look up? It'll be the Doctor <laughs> Wu the Blade reboot relaunch trilogy. <laughs> you remember him from that one scene? Now he's a main fucking character, and he rocks. Here's his comic book spinoff. <laughs> Except for the third one, where he's kind of weird. Go. Now he's like sad and shit. <laughs> Underrated Blade's haircut. Now that we talk enough about how how cool Blade's haircut is in this movie, Blade has so many other like things going on where he's like he's a very stylish look, like right behind his head. He's got he's got some mm-hmm. ingrained lines in there that are very cool. That fits very well. Well, I guess there's a few inches, but like uh, they were scanning him for we- they were scanning him for weeks trying to cut out the exact carving needed for <laughs> the La- for La Magra. <laughs> Make sure yeah. to get the blade sculpture just right, guys. We don't want any fuck-ups here. Hey, Deacon, you sure we want to do this? Taller. <laughs> Make them taller. Yes, we want to do this. It's Lamaga. Yeah. Like, it's we not got Mardi Gras. We'll get one of these. 
I could kill Blade right now. I could kill him right now. And we would kill all these people. We're, we're bosses. We're the kings. I didn't set up this place in the desert for nothing. The deserts of New York. <laughs> <laughs> I have a gun. Like, where are they? <laughs> where is this, by the way? <laughs> You say the word, Blade, or you say the word, Deacon. We do it right now. <laughs> right. You can what? look away. You can look away. Hey, I, I carved the feet part of the Blade statue that we have to, that we have to haul out. <laughs> I'm not going to put all that work away just so you can kill Blade. <laughs> Blade gets fucked up in, in these two, like the third one, he gets by pretty easily. Like he doesn't really get injured mm-hmm. at all. This one and the second one, he gets like drained of blood. He has that to like recharge himself. He gets milked. He gets, yeah, he gets milked. <laughs> Just like that, this like Splinter warns the turtles about. Yep. <laughs> uh, despite the fact that, like, I think the movie has a pretty strong reputation, mixed reviews when it yeah, came that's out. Dumb. You know, Ebert, that like, the good, critical consensus was different back then. Two thumbs up. Got the Ebert. Got the Ebert praise. It's, but, uh, films of this nature were viewed with suspicion is too strong of a word, but they weren't. You know, you didn't have a critical establishment that was necessarily filled with genre junkies. And I say that not as a criticism of genre junkies, but, you know, when you have people who know the tropes and appreciate the, the genre, you know, it's, it's, and also, yeah, you have a bunch of old white guys talking about a movie like Blade. I guess, um, I, yeah, I guess it's like the newness of it is something, but it's like, yeah. I've, I haven't got a better way to read them, but I'm like, what are the complaints? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, just on a fundamental level, like, what's the problem? Maybe <laughs> it's it's crit- uh, critics not feeling it's uh, for them generationally or something? I, yeah, I mean, I guess, it's, but... it's the idea of approaching a movie like this and automatically, oh, this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah they. Uh, I feel like they went in there with that in mind. I guess it's people... impossible for me to get in that mind space because I, I don't know it. Like, so it's Why like, they yeah. make Karen black? She's clearly a white woman. <laughs> <laughs> Her, Her name, name is Karen, Karen for Christ's sake. <laughs> um, Someone's like filter out the gloss. I mean, you know, my... I recall the reviews for this being relatively three-star positive. Yeah, I mean, it's before Rotten Tomatoes, so you're not like looking for a number exactly, mm-hmm. but yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm right. looking for a number because I'm curious. But like, well, it says, it says 57%. And, yeah, the, and Blade it's, Two it's, is about the same, I believe. It's like fifty nine or something, maybe. Um, but I guess I just read better critics. Well, that's yeah. the th- I mean, well, I mean, the movie was a hit, so they're gonna be put in the newspapers, yeah. and the newspapers and the TV ads are gonna read the good reviews. I mean, you got two thumbs up, so that's already a win right there. Yeah, and, and the people leaving the theater talking about yeah, it. exactly. The word of mouth is gonna be great. I mean, this movie, what does this movie make, Scott? Uh, I think one forty one on a. Let me check. It's forty five budget. Yeah, forty five budget. I think one thirty one, one forty. Yeah, it does like what 60 or 70 in America. Or... Yeah, it opens with about 17. Did 131 American on a 45 for worldwide on a 45 budget, which again is a you know a little under triple the numbers, and that was great back then. Great because then, not to be a broken record, but marketing was cheaper and you had a more viable post theatrical afterlife. Yeah, that's the thing. This was a TV staple for it's still a TV yes. staple. <laughs> it's still on. Um, you, and, you know, and, the, and the DVDs and Blu-rays or, or the DVDs at the time were selling, you know, there's a big there's a big DVD. Like there's a big like yeah, yeah Blades on DVD. It's a new mm-hmm. like platinum series. I uh this is one of the first times I noticed or thought up um this movie did play. We had a place called I think they're a national chain, but like Studio Movie Grill or whatever. 
mm-hmm. and this is the first time I saw their Marquee Blade. I'm like, they're showing that while people eat? Like that <laughs> opening scene? Like, all right. It was just a shower. <clears throat> this was the, the movie that knocked Saving Private Ryan out at number one. Um, Not after, the Avengers. After like multiple weeks of release. Because this yeah. is what? This is August 21st. Saving Private Ryan's like end of July. So yeah, it had like yes. three or four weeks this... to itself. That's yeah, not a great I mean, release, too, right? But was was August the kind of the dumping ground back then, or no? Like, it still it is now. Kind of yeah. was slash is. I mean, it's more complicated now, but yeah, there was a perception that it was. I mean, again, to be fair, you you generally even then you had films like you know SWAT was a big hit. Um, yeah, that's why you're you not the Shyamalan pictures kicking ass in early August. Yeah, like if you're a hit in early your August, you're gonna you're gonna yeah. Make if you're the fugitive, you play yeah. all fucking you know you Blair play for Witch. ninety days. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. Deep Blue Sea was released July 28th, 29th. It's, it's it that late July August. thing where it can run the yeah. month. Yeah. 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 But yeah, you had yeah, Blade, Saving Private Ryan was out. Uh, there's something about Mary's in like its fourth week because that's a huge yeah. summer comedy hit, which for yeah, it was a pretty number solid one. summer commercially Stella, and mm-hmm. frankly, artistically. Stella was getting her groove back a week before. Yes. Uh, Snake Eyes also- exists. Um, <laughs> Dead Man on Campus came out this week. Wrong for I got some beers. We should drink them. Uh, that train gag and rain wrongfully accused though that one's good wrongfully accused has some that's the one where it has the mission impossible spoof and yeah. not spy hard which came out the same year as mission impossible <laughs> so same like, day as mission impossible same day as mission impossible yeah, it's insane <laughs> which might explain why it didn't have the, the material yet well yeah it didn't have but it's just it's funny that they the, the movie that came out with mission impossible they wait two years and then they parody mission impossible <laughs> Well, that's just a sign of how not good those films were. When I'm done with you, you're going to look like Swiss cheese. That's no Gouda. That's, that's a Spy Hard classic. Spy Hard's got better moments than Wrongfully Accused. I mean, that's weird. I'll do a theme song. That's a win right there. How Ever After is this summer. We... The Parent Trap. How many movies do we have where like ancient tombs and blood going through these little trails to make something happen? We need more of them, if anything. I know. I don't think we have enough. Yeah. I know that's why there's plenty, but we don't have enough of them. So we have Blade, and then there's... Oh, that would have improved Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken. Yes, it would have. <laughs> Some of the deleted scenes. I like Blood better in Caves and Fire, like a national treasure. He just lights up the whole place, and it's still yeah. flammable. This is a pretty big summer as far as just lots of, like, I know every single Armageddon. one of these movies. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of them did bad, but I know every single <laughs> one of these. <laughs> uh yeah, I'm not even going to read all this. This is just a long list. This will be reading movies, but there's, there's a lot of notable features on the 90-98 list of movies. Well, another you know moment in time example was you know the X Files opening to 31 million dollars, you know, and being literally a glorified extended in between season television episode. It worked that way. Budget. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it worked fine. I I like it. I mean, it's um, I actually think it's better if you don't watch the show because frankly. Well, it's a heightened version because you have you have to like re-explain. Yeah, it's a little dumbed down, so you have to sort of explain stuff that the. But I think the set pieces are pretty. The set pieces are pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah. It feels like. Oh yeah, where they go that far that. That uh, cornfield. Yeah, that's amazing. There's like and that movie's pretty brutal too for a PG-13 movie. Like that's some violence in that movie. Fight the future. Because the show was nuts. Yeah. Do I have it? Um, Do I have that on DVD or or Blu-ray? That'd be great if Donald Log jumped through and stole that drop of blood. <laughs> I'm uh, Bob uh, Rizman, uh, baby. <laughs> hey, isn't that funny, Deacon? <laughs> I got you this time, you fucker. Yeah, that's, that's from my foot. 
So Boom. in the face. <laughs> I don't think you want to read too much until the blade fights his mother, then like drinks her blood. Well, not really drink her blood. He drinks the and Boucher writes blood, but he kills his mother. It's like, oh, this is this is a lot of brutal subplotting going on in the midst of the La Magra taking place right now. It looks like his mother, but it's not. Do they need 12 pure bloods for the circle? Yes, that's what the instructions that was the whole point. So they and it, it was a convenient. Oh, we also get to kill the, board, the vampire nice, they board. Gave 13 just in case. Yeah. You store one in a drawer just in case. If I was a henchman, I would have taken uh, out like three. Like, oh, we're down to nine. <laughs> Well, like one does leave though. So they put in a henchman, like one yeah. left or whatever. Yeah. Oh, did they? Or like one it's got killed. The Riddler. Yes. And so they so they throw in a henchman. It's like you get in his place. It's just. But the I'm Riddler, not a pure guys. blood. I, I... It'll be fine. Vampire muggles. <laughs> Vampire muggles. Some good dust work. Listen, y'all, stop trying to raise demons. Oh, Orson Welles blood board members. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> that's what, at least in Hereditary, like they just want cash. Like that's like the whole movie. It's a heist movie, Hereditary. <laughs> and at the end, there's a picture of Paymon sitting on top of cash. And at the end, they're like, the final line, they're like, listen, Paymon, give us your gifts. So, like, it's a white collar cult for 30 years, 50 years trying to raise a, a, a get demon money. Like that works. What a way to Shaking go. Shaking that ass. What, like, what, a, what a way to go. Have a skeleton bat crawl out of your face. <laughs> they didn't try to get a blood god in hereditary. Well, that's they're saving that for hereditary too. <laughs> blood god boogaloo. The hereditarian. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the omen. That's where they all the all the cult members uh they take all of Tilt uh Tony Collette's uh, dioramas and try to sell them. Like Utah, no, Utah, Terry's dollar sign, dollar sign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like so, another cult from the East Coast tries to steal their money. Just to just to get let's let's just lay down like the things of Lamont. So you build a giant temple with the elaborate blood trail thing. You get the chosen easy. one. Get the yeah, easy. You get the easy. chosen one, drain his blood, have it go through an elaborate system where it all collects at the top there. Uh simple. You, you assemble the you know pure bloods in this case the vampire born around in a circle have the blood drop in a very specific way so it lands on the guy in the center I guess you just hope stuff happens from there as far as getting the uh the the correct combination of uh, vampire library scrolls to read all the 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 old lettering and everything that'll 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 trigger the skeleton launch from mouth situation and then the guy in the middle is just like I guess they fly through me now because I've become Superhero uh, landing. <laughs> this is the biggest superhero landing there is. It shakes the the camera, shakes and everything. I love the confusion of the subtitles here. It was like Deacon, and then the response is Frost. Not anymore. This has to be one of those the first of those yeah. superhero landings. Well, because everything else is Batman or Superman, where they have capes and shit. So like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Leslie Snipes is like, I did this without stunts. I I just jumped D- here. No CG wires at all. Sunglasses. <laughs> sunglasses. Oh yeah. So what'd you give it on the scale of 10? How difficult is this plan for blood God? Amagra, oh, that's a, that's nine. a, pretty, that's a pretty strong nine. Yeah. <laughs> they got some of Joker's guys from Batman. Yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> I like this, coming. this, uh, the track here struck by oh, lightning. Oh, this track, oh, this track oh, rocks. Oh, oh, oh. 
This is when he starts stomping on one of these guys, oh, yeah. that's like my favorite moment. Oh, this is a great oh, no fucks given oh. fight where it's like, I've already won. You guys just don't know it yet. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's yeah. what this fight is as a whole. <laughs> right there where he pushes the guy oh, off the yeah. thing. Everything he, he, he rips Swayze. the throat out. Yeah. He, he pulls a Swayze. Yeah, exactly. He throws the throat at the guy. <laughs> 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 this is the... <laughs> Did you just... Oh! <laughs> I'm, I'm a vampire, but Jesus. He reached into that guy's stomach. They just can't show it. Oh, coming up. He just starts kicking. He goes yeah. full too fast, too furious. Yeah. And there's great camera. <laughs> Here's the kicking on the ground. Thing, yes. which is great. <laughs> and he kicks him up. He yeah. kicked him up higher than Tom Cruise kicked the gun up in Mission Impossible 2. It was great. Oh, jeez. Not the wire. <laughs> then this brother comes in. He's like, I know some moves. And it's like, it's not going to work for you, man. You're out. <laughs> his body armor. <laughs> and then he kills what's his face. Um, that guy stop shooting like no this. this is this is all of her plan not she's like, like i'll this. lure her in and then i'll get her with the old cross ah. in the face not like this oh good gut shot yeah, was a oh, good she's gonna rip the throat out she's gonna rip the throat vampire out. mace there it is you know what if you're gonna rip somebody's throat out after a house at least like you said throw it back at them they keep <laughs> oh, her head blew up the, the throat <laughs> yeah Oh. They keep they keep her involved pretty well in this. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, they, yeah. they don't yeah. damsel and, her too much. Like she gets captured, well, obviously. Because he's just as damseled, so there's yeah, no, exactly yeah. It's not the same situation. I like that shot. Yeah. I love that shot where he sees mm-hmm. the sword and the camera reacts yeah. like he's seeing the sword. And then you get you know, like, a good action scene. I'm sitting here going, duh, duh, duh. And it's this is staged very tight, but you can still see exactly everything what's looks going great. Norrington is killing it yeah. with this delivery yeah. and his cinematographer. Oh, and this right here, where he puts the sword out oh, as yeah. the vampires are just like, yes, all of, all of oh. this is great. <laughs> Blade, motherfucker. Who shot this? Theo Van Fanda Sandy, who did yeah. uh, Wayne's World, Exit to Eden, a Mendelssohn family favorite. Uh, volcano. Uh, <laughs> I can't even see that movie. <laughs> they get Rosie and S and M gear. A lot yeah. of a lot of German movies here, and then he comes to America. Oh, he this, did that one. This is the peak. Yeah, he did. He did come to America. He did out of time. There we go. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Dean Kane classic. Dean. <laughs> he wears a Hawaiian shirt now. So here we get I mean... the sword fight with uh with our lead villain. So the ending, as you all know famously did not go well with the test audiences the first time around he turns into a blood god and after i think this moment right here where he gets chopped in half which looks exactly like it would look in 1998 um but, yeah, but it, even that like who cares it's cool yeah. well the version that they went with was less cool because they went with steven dorf does not be steven dorf anymore becomes a giant swirling blood cloud yep. and even with the unfinished version that's in the you know on the special feature of this I don't think there's a better version <laughs> that you could have gotten. And plus you lose the dwarf factor. You lose um, him as a human presence. It just, I can understand why not yeah. to be like, this is not compelling at all anymore. It's just a anonymous monster thing. I like this shot where plus he slides backs his head up. <laughs> Door stuntman is a big name too. I'm trying to pull his name up right mm. now. Blood God versus bull God. Who you got? <laughs> I do like that. His solution is, well, I can't just stab or cut him. I guess I'll just throw a lot of it at him <laughs> at once. I'll throw a lot of the a lot of the serum at him, and then there's just too much. Even though he's a blood god, if I spread him out too far, he can't T one thousand his way back together again. I guess the serum's also doing the uh, 
or he's not even a serum, right? It's like a it's a weapon. He just thinks it's a serum. Yeah. He's he's convinced himself it's a serum. And it works here, but it does it's a slight pet peeve in movies in terms of where the bad guy is killed in a way that somebody's already been killed in the movie. Well he so did, we did get a serum death earlier. Oh, yeah. He he did it more. <laughs> that's that's yeah. the key here. He again, did, whatever. It's, he did it's, he used more a, serum. Right. <laughs> um Clayton J. Barber. He did the guest. I love that movie. Oh, see, here we go. See, this is the problem right here. You can't just jump. <laughs> like that's that's there's no difference between high ground and just losing all of your, you know, what your your move whatsoever. Like here that's all here's the line. Yeah. Always trying to ice skate uphill. <laughs> I like how he, he saved one just mean? so we could say the line first, and then he throws it, throws it. or kicks it at him at least. <laughs> I'm just glad right he didn't kick right the needle. That blood drop hit. Vince Vaughn could never. Yeah. Now this is fun seeing this like giant oh, yeah. monster thing that he goes into. I think a blade's not even like thrown off, but and he doesn't get covered in this. This is completely like nope. Bill Murray doesn't want marshmallow on him and Ghostbusters. Like, no, I'm not getting blood on me. That's fine. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll stand over here. Like, uh, how do I get up? But blade's pretty not phased by any of this like no. it's like okay la Magra happened this i guess i gotta tuesday. take care of this guy yeah now. i was gonna say scott it's tuesday yeah tuesblade for you <laughs> for me it was a tuesday so there's another alternate ending where they come out of this i don't know if you guys have seen this i'm gonna link it in the show notes though for sure because it's awesome <laughs> so they come out of this they have this exact same dialogue but then she says something like Looks like somebody else is lining up for you. And it's director Stephen Norrington dressed as Morbius on another building in the distance. I remember oh. that. <laughs> it's, it's a small delete. I'll, I'll link it again and I'll, I'll link it here right now so you guys can check it out after. But um, it's, I mean, it's too brief to be like made fun of beyond the fact that like they tried to make a sequel where uh, the original idea was we'll have a sequel of Morbius as the main antagonist. They called their shot like a, they pulled a Batman Begins and everything. <laughs> Trendsetter, trailblazer. Uh-huh. But the ending here is kind of nice where it's like, you just make that serum, I'm gonna keep doing my thing. And then it's like Moscow. Why Moscow? Who fucking cares? It's blade. He's gonna go to Moscow. <laughs> Communism's over. I don't not for vampires, it isn't. I'm gonna get him. Moscow's capitalist now. Yeah. Welcoming to Vampire Hunter. He's seen Daywatch or no Nightwatch. Nightwatch, both of them. Yeah. Two of Scott's favorite movies. Oh, uh. <sighs> Scott and I saw those together. We only saw the first one. I never. Oh, I we, oh okay. The second one is. Better. Oh no, we did. Yeah. I did. It's, it's, it's better. <laughs> is it much better? It's better. <laughs> They're both better than Wanted. I true. There's a lot of movies better than Wanted. Wanted opened to like fifty million, huge hit, right? Dude, was hot. He was hot. He wanted to see those bolts curve. Oh, this is great too. I love that it's in Russian too, and it still sounds just awesome. That's mm-hmm. what he's saying. Blade in the snow. Blade in the snow looks special. great. Yeah, could have had something special, but looks great. Fucking Guillermo, gotta gotta rob us of that. It's too expensive to have snow in Prague. I know. <laughs> and then they're just the immediate cut. The immediate Boom. cut. Blade and Wesley the, Snipes, and, it, and it's great know. that it's and it's Wesley. That's like his name is first because he's Blade. <laughs> that's, the, that's a great like. That's a great like flex right there. I'm producer on this movie. That's the first thing we're gonna see when this ends. And even the song that's playing right now is great too. This whole like, like Tracy Lord's got huge billing. That's there. Like fifth mm-hmm. bill. 
Pearl is billing. Pearl is billing. <laughs> this album was 36 on the US Billboard 200. That's yeah. pretty good. They have so any like because they heard that rave and they're like, we need to be in this immediately. I need to buy that soundtrack. It was a mood. Had mystical KRS One. Yeah, a lot of a lot of returns too. The mystical goes back for Blade Two soundtrack. Blade Two soundtrack's awesome. I love the Blade Two soundtrack. I don't think I've ever listened to that. I'll, I'll have to that was more. Now. That was more like jams. Like like the Blade soundtrack is a lot of techno and it's a lot of like long tracks. Blade Two is a little. It's a little more faster paced because <laughs> they're they're shorter tracks mm. and they're more artists and less uh, oh, more hip hop artists. A, a Todd Holland. <laughs> A child's play is Todd Holland. Tom Holland. No, uh, it was a Todd Holland. A Todd Holland. Uh wait. Paul Oakenfold and Ice Cube, Massive Attack, and yeah. Most Deaf. I'm telling you, the Blade the Two roots, soundtrack B- rocks. BT and the Roots. The Blade Cypress Two soundtrack Hill? rocks. What? You didn't have dude. to ask twice to be on that one. Yeah, and we're at an age where when you have the Daredevil and Spider-Man soundtracks around you, like at least this happened. Wait, like Gorillas and Redman? I'm telling you, the Blade 2 soundtrack is incredible. Crystal, wait, Crystal Method and Buth, Bubba Sparks? It's one of my favorite soundtracks. Bubba like, Sparks. It's, oh my it's God. a really... Like, I have an uh, old man who's heard of none of these people. <sighs> <sighs> You're missing a great song called Miss New Booty by Bubba Sparks. Yeah. Note to self. Yeah. <laughs> so this during this era, while the digital effects may not have pulled up, they were at least paid compensated probably better than today well there's less of them so they didn't have to work between six different companies and force everyone to do it over time <laughs> special effects red by... font is cool we don't see enough rich, red font rich and ronald zaro the blade of zaro the uh the blood the vampire language i believe it like there's some involvement with like the land of the lost language like that. There's some connection oh. between that. Like the guy that worked on that, I guess was like, did something that like brought that over here. David Bri- Leach was on Brian, this. Brian and Greg Schurz. Roger Yawn and Ron Juan. There's a lot of siblings on this or something. We don't get What's a lot the- of red font in movie credits. This is fun. I like this. We yeah. see more vampires. Sure vampires. Some other vampire movies probably have it. Sure, 30 Days of Night probably has some wacky credits. I like that movie. I like how mean those things are, and I love that overhead shot. Oh, Randy Johnson, the pitcher, ran boom for Blade. I like, I like the vibe. Like, David Slade does a very good job with the atmosphere of that movie. I wish it was a little better. I, yeah, I it wish slows it, down, right? It really middle. slows yeah. down at a time when you're like, I, I want to feel like it's been 30 days, and it has a weird feeling of the pace the pace gets lost, and yet it still doesn't feel like they've suffered long enough for 30 days mm-hmm. dealing with this stuff. The comic is great. The Thirty Days of Night comic is awesome. <laughs> That's why I got really excited. Sam Raimi's producing a David Slade directed Thirty Days of Night. That sounds really cool to yeah, me. Yeah, I do like the comic. Yeah, I read the comic. I like the, the fucking trailer is great. That the trailer for that movie is amazing. <laughs> but Ben Foster hamburger. Okay. Yeah, in, in peak <laughs> Ben Foster over Axe era. Oh yeah, that's, that's a lot of good stuff going on. <laughs> X Men: The Last Stand's Ben Foster. That's right. Alpha Dogs from Angel to Demon. Not to be confused with movie Angels and Demons. What I love else? a good Ewan McGregor. Let's see. Stanley's cameo was cut from this movie. He was going to be a, one of the cops that came in at the rave at the beginning. Mm-hmm. What well, a DJ crush. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> on my drive to work tomorrow, I'm listening to Blade 2. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. It's a good soundtrack. 
it's funny we've talked pretty non-stop the blade commentary i don't think i think we've we've nailed all the topics <laughs> we've, got, we've covered it we'll have to do blade trinity then i guess <laughs> give the people what they want i'll share the the, the workout and the diet for about 20 minutes so i don't have to talk about the movie <laughs> well we are getting to the end here uh let's see so this this is bringing us to the end of superhero summer mm-hmm. um as far as his commentary is going. And, uh, which has been nope. a lot of fun i've been really happy to do all these but i think there's a lot of like the the, the differences between these various superhero films and even you know we've only only expanded like what through a 30-year stretch essentially as far as the movies we talked about but i, I mean i think that shows just how diverse <laughs> the whole environment became as far as just the kinds of things and where things led to and what have you we'll see what happens when we start talking about some of these more modern superhero films i i suppose if we ever do, even though we've covered most of them out now at this point, but we can do a commentary at some point for whatever Ant-Man, the one that everybody needs. Um, But yeah, uh, but yeah, that's the end of Superhero Summer. Obviously, October is going to bring us to all the horror stuff that we do, including whatever commentary we choose for then. But September, um, well, Brandon, we've, you and I, you, Scott and I, we finished the summer of 93 at 30 at this point. We did. Which was a lot of fun, but of course that brought us short on talking about some other movies that came out in September, and so our September commentary track is completely my pick uh, because I want it to be it's the the 30th anniversary of a true romance, uh, so that's going to oh. be our our next commentary, a movie that I absolutely love. <laughs> um, so stay tuned for that one when it comes to September. Um, but with all that said, that's uh, do it. Which shitty Exorcist sequel should we do for October? <laughs> um. Yeah, um, we could do three, but three is actually good. So the, I was gonna say um, Harlan's. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, Ooh. Yeah. But it's pure schlock. We have, we have plenty of time to figure out what we're gonna do for. We gotta figure out our October horror plans. Uh, but with all that said, that's gonna get us to the end of the Blade commentary track. So where can people find more of your guys' work online? Brand, let's start with you. All right, I am on Instagram <laughs> and the place formerly known as Twitter at Brandon. 4KUHD written work on whysoblue.com. The summer of 93 at 30 is getting toward its conclusion, which is quite good and been quite a great time. I really enjoy the series. Um, so be, yeah, be there for that. Um, also, in I don't know when this drops, but uh, if you're going to PopCon or in the area, want to go to Indie PopCon, I'll be doing three live shows over Friday, Saturday, and Sunday there. And I'm the, once again, the uh, host or MC of the live podcast stage. And I got a lot of good shows lined up there. And uh, yeah, but come to my live show if you're around, or you can listen to it on my podcast stream, which will be posted. uh, They'll post probably after summer of 93 at 30 concludes. All right. Mark Hoffmeyer, where can people find more of you? Instagram, Twitter, all those places. Mark Hoffmeyer, Movie Sounds of Flakes, or Deep Blue See the Podcast. It's one of those. And then Fandom by the Numbers. If you go to YouTube, check that out. Film Theory, Rotten Tomatoes, a couple articles going on. And then, yeah, Ringer. So, Scott Mendelson. I'm at therap.com. I'm on Twitter at, at Scott Mendelson. Definitely, I'm on Blue Sky, but is anyone on Blue Sky anymore? I, I got only, a code. I haven't logged in yet. <laughs> I only know Mr. Blue Sky. All right. Um, I write for League of Entertainment and Why So Blue for movies and Blu-ray reviews. I am on Twitter X at Aaron's PS4. Um, my personal blog, the code is eek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. 
this podcast can be found everywhere podcasts can be found leave us your iTunes reviews and ratings though that'd be great um, you can follow us on all the socials and all that uh, but yeah um, so thank you Brandon Mark and Scott for joining me for this delayed commentary track yeah yeah watch the protege <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hope the listeners have enjoyed not only this track but our entire superhero summer lineup and uh, thank you for listening regardless and yeah that's gonna do it so until next time so long I was driving to LA yesterday to the Grove, which is, if you know LA, it's in like the center of LA. It's the worst place to go to a screening because it's not convenient mm-hmm. by a freeway. It took me fucking two and a half hours to get to where I needed to go. Normally it takes me like an hour and 45 minutes maybe during like traffic time. It takes me like 40 minutes to get home when it's later on. But anyway, I watched Blade 2 like, did I watch it yesterday? Yeah, no, I watched it yesterday. Um, then I was driving up and I was like, it was you know it's hot i'm getting tired like being in the car for two and a half hours so i put the blade 2 soundtrack on as i'm like mm-hmm. and i'm just i've just watched like you know french connection and to live and die in la so like my my car chase like mind is like going and i'm, like, oh, I'm, yeah. trying, to, I'm trying to like gut it through traffic i'm blasting the blade 2 soundtrack and i'm like this is great <laughs> i'm like i'm not you know i'm not I'm not crazy like hackman i'm driving safely it's just more of like I'm like trying to like get through traffic in time to get to the fucking grove, yeah. you know, while like most deaf is blasting in my ears. It's like, this is great. This is fun.